Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. My name is Dave Hanrowdy and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 369. Nice. I knew you were going to fucking do it. I knew you were going to fucking do it. That's, son- that's childish, juvenile, sonic architect Adam. Why did you leave the pause then? Why did you leave the pause there? To trap you in my <laughs> snare of wit. I, I, I was on Today FM on Friday uh, last and it was, you know, the newest stories of the week. And one of them was the census. You know, there's nothing sexier than the census. I mean, you really did sell it to me there. The census. <laughs> the census. And there was one where it was like, you know, it was like uh, the number of people who are whatever the fuck is at 69%. And I was like, don't do it. I was like, don't do it. And I was going to do it. But not here. Not the now. other person read it out. So I was like, ah, robbed. And I was like, it would have been wildly inappropriate. But, you know, national radio. I don't know. It was your forum. You had your moment, but look. You took it this week. It's fine. So it's episode 369. It's no Anchor podcast. It's a music podcast. And, uh, you know, we're in the special guest co-host era. We are. And this time, this week, we have the wonderful, uh, I've seen you described as Galway's prodigal indie rock daughter. She is (laughs) in in an old interview. Um, I don't even know where to start. It's Julie Hawk, everybody. Welcome to the show. For a start. Hello, everybody. Uh, You're the front woman of the band Hawk. You're in... Pixie Cut Rhythm Orchestra. Correct. I got it right this time. I mangled the name previously <laughs> and I got it right this time. Uh, you are involved in Vita Music. You are involved in Self Made. Mm-hmm. You do lots of lots of music industry stuff in the Irish music industry, as well as being a prolific musician. And uh, and I think it's fair to leave this one to last. Fan of the No Encore podcast. So, welcome. Uh, number one fan. <laughs> fan of the show, now friend of the show. Uh, I've been friend for a while, I think. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you. We're also, you know, you're also um, in that coveted list of people who recognises uh, 1995's Hackers as maybe the greatest film ever made. 
No, maybe about it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I paid fucking four euro to rent, three fifty to rent it recently, and now Amazon added it a few days or a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> but I, I do it again. What a ruse! I do it again. Um, I, I also had a giggle when I saw three six nine in the email today. We're all children. This is who it is. Young at heart. So yeah, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Julie? Uh, after I've already done so, but you know, you have you've covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. So I'm in the band Hawk. I play uh, bass and I sing. Uh, recently joined Pixie Cut Rhythm Orchestra as their bassist, which has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed just stepping back from the mic and just having a bit of a dance with the bass in my hand, which has been great. And yeah, always busy, rarely sleeping eight hours, as we were talking about off mic earlier. Um, I co-run Vita Records. Um, we actually started the label initially just around our own band kind of put a bit of a facade and a bit of structure around what we were doing um, when we started off in London. But, you know, we were kind of in the open mic scene at the time and seeing a lot of our friends making ridiculous music and kind of just putting it on the internet. At this point, it would have been like kind of SoundCloud territory. Um, and we just found that the more we did for our own band, the more we were learning. So... We started taking on art, artists from our kind of friend group in and around London. And now we have a beautiful roster of, um, you know, with Maria Kelly, St. Bishop, Diver, lots of genres. We'd like to get another band in there. There's any bands? We'll start one. Adam and I will start one. The we, drums, will start, we will start a drums band. drums over there in the studio. I've so. been like gumming for a real like Midwest emo band to throw back to a recent show. You um, would do it. He'd, he'd be in the band. I would I, I love like a real Booking. And Julie can be in the band because you know, like she doesn't get enough sleep as it is. Band, so you know? I, I don't need, I don't need sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we take a listen to the latest Hawk single, please? It's called, uh, it's called Daylight Robbery, which I'm doing the, um, <laughs> as discussed, I'm doing the like remember the piracy video thing, the precursor to you wouldn't download a fucking car or whatever you it is, steal a handbag, yeah, yeah darling for weddings, yeah, like that's a nice throwback for anyone who watched movies in the nineties. You know, there's that guy on the market stall, the dodgy, the dodgy tapes, you know. And some guy's like, excuse me, I bought this copy of Train Spotting, and it's not working properly. And the guy's like, what, what are you fucking doing, mate? Yeah, it's all it's ridiculous <laughs> EastEnders, like, be actor. And then just like, yeah, so there is, he, at the end he goes, uh, he goes, was it part of it? Daylight robbery or something. It's just like. <laughs> it's daylight robbery, mate. So I assume that's what inspired this song, was it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, can we take? Uh, yeah, let's take a listen to it, please. Uh, loud, you know, loud music, grunge music, uh, rock music. Uh, did the Roll Ro- Blood thing? This is rock music. <laughs> yeah, it's rock music. Let's have a listen to it. on Adam's giant speakers. It's <laughs> so loud. It's fucking great, isn't it? <sighs> I actually enjoyed that. I find it very strange listening back to our own music, but usually it's because someone's like, oh, put your song on my phone, <laughs> and it's the worst. Yeah, we give you the full range in here, subs and all. I feel bad because like, we were always saying this, and the listeners are probably like, I can't hear that. Shut the fuck up. Get better speakers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> 
Is Stop listening to this through your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, Daylight Robbery is the single. And what's what's going on in the world of Hawk these days, apart from brand new music? How's it all looking? Uh, looking good. So like we released our last album in the middle of lockdown. So that it was an amazing distraction, an amazing project to have. But I think we are really, really enjoying this year. Just kind of having both feet on the ground in Dublin because we hadn't lived here before lockdown and actually meeting meeting bands who we kind of only dipped in and out of seeing in the past are now, you know, sharing a stage with bands that we love. It's just been really, really nice to be based in the scene, meeting lovely bands and actually releasing in a time where you can see human beings. It's been great. So, yeah, very different from the last kind of series of singles that we put out, which was a very strange, uh, very very strange process of just kind of releasing something out into the internet and hoping that they like it. Um, I like this much better. Yeah, I do also love Sandwise. I love the kind of, you know, 90s cavernness. You know, I feel like I'm walking into a club and this is on as I do it type music. Like, mm. that's a very specific thing for me, but like, that's what I hear in, this, in, the, in the music and I do love it. So, oh, cool. Thank you very much. so go check it. I, we'll, we'll play out the episode later on with the, with the full song and hopefully we won't get a copyright strike from... Uh, your label, I guess. Post. Uh, <laughs> okay. As we speak. You're uh, asking me, it is actually a reference back to the sleep problems <laughs> that I was referring okay. to earlier. Um, so the the song is, I mean, a lot of the songs we've been writing lately have been influenced by my very fun adventures with insomnia over the last couple of years. Um, and this one is about, it's kind of all the songs are touching on the things that keep you awake at night or the things that help you feel grounded and find peace in yourself and kind of questioning who you are at your most comfortable and your most vulnerable. This is about um, having those kind of safe spaces invaded or taken away. And it's a very much influenced by like the housing crisis and having kind of space, seeing spaces shut down, like important queer spaces or music spaces. Um, and even the sense of like people being kind of displaced from their neighborhoods and this this loss of community. Um, so it's about the kind of internal angst that can build up from, you know, seeing your own environment being broken down by a government that can't support it properly. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, so there's a lot in there, basically. That's what yeah. keeps me awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first part of it, though, is what I like to focus on because like, you know, the insomnia and kind of having, you know, just things to keep you up at night. Um, have you ever suffered from night terrors or anything kind of close to it? Or do you have night... Like, I have nightmares all the fucking time. Not night terrors necessarily. I haven't really had that sleep paralysis thing too badly or anything. But, like, I tend to just... It's rare that I don't have a nightmare. Like, there's just always something. And it could be, like, vivid or it could be very real. Yeah. But uh, all this kind of ties into, I think maybe, possibly, the top five that you've chosen for us this week. I think it does. So it, it does. is top five supernatural songs. Why did you want to do this one? Um... So I've always been a bit of a spooky gal. <laughs> um, no, like I'd say, okay, so spooky gal is a bit of a like TikTok term these days, but I think I've I've genuinely always had a massive affinity with all things like supernatural and, you know, thinking as far back as my childhood, me and my friends would always play games that were kind of about wizards and witches and spells. And I mean, I also like to play the post office, so... It doesn't, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Um, but I think I was really drawn into, maybe I was just the right age, you know, from f films like The Craft or, you know, shows like Buffy and Sabrina, Alex Mack. 
Oh yeah, Jesus. Um, lots of shows in particular that kind of take a subject like like witchcraft that would have once upon a time been a way to be superstitious of women's intellect and kind of placing female characters in the forefront and seeing them kind of kick ass and use this thing that previously was used to like take down women and be superstitious of them. It's it's amazing seeing that kind of turned on its head. It's, I think it's one of the reasons I find um, those shows especially like those kind of seeing these like outcasts with their secret powers. It's one of the reasons I find that like super appealing. But I think it's also, um, I think it's an Irish thing as well. Tons of Irish, yeah, like yeah. the Banshees and that kind of like stuff and just like, just general kind of like, like even like I would have read like, you know, The Battle Below Giltspur or something when I was a kid. It's about like a scarecrow that comes to life and all the kind of weird. Just oh r- no, scarecrows, ugh. <laughs> that you, that's my least favourite thing. He was a good guy though, but there were, but there was also an evil scarecrow, so. Um, but like it's a, it's kind of an interesting, you know, looking at folk stories and superstitions and myths and things like that. It gives you a really interesting insight into kind of how we understood the world or like made sense of the world in the past. Like, so for instance, actually, you asked me about sleep paralysis. Mm. I've had sleep paralysis very vividly once upon a time. And this is kind of said to have been a scientific explanation for why, like in the early kind of... 19th century or so, or 18th century, sorry, 20th century, um, when like gothic horror was really, really um, popular. This was kind of said to be the scientific explanation as to why people were having these hauntings and, and things like that. But, you know, they're, it's really scary when something like that happens. Like I had, um, I had a, basically this vision while I was, a, you know, kind of my eyes were open that my flatmate who I was living with in London at the time came home in the middle of the night. And so this was pretty normal because we were all kind of in our early 20s. We'd all go out clubbing and come back and all hours of the morning, I dreamt or imagined that she came into my room and just picked up my laundry basket and just started shaking it. And that was it. (laughs) She was just watching me sleep, (laughs) shaking my laundry basket while staring at me. (laughs) It was deeply sinister. And that's like, my, um, when it comes to kind of like scary dreams and stuff, my least favorite thing is someone not acting quite like themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, oh, no, <laughs> I hate it, I hate it. Okay, uh, wonderful explanation, I love it. Um, that, we, that That's all to come later in the show on our top five supernatural songs. Uh, it's patreon.com, by the way. Patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help support the show. Thanks to everyone who does, greatly appreciate it. But for now... We will jump into the news section in the time-honored tradition of good old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. Start spreading the news. Right, uh, only one place to start. There was another top 50 Irish albums of all time list, as conducted by the Irish Independent, came out last weekend. And uh, yeah, the usual kind of uproar, you know, where's X, Y, Z. Um, I was asked to contribute to it in the manner of, you know, I think they, I, I think 50 people were asked in the industry, I think, to be like, you know, give us your top 10, which I found quite difficult to do. I submitted a top 10 list and my number one album on the list was Loveless by My Bloody Valentine, which wouldn't you know it, was also the overall number one in this latest top 50. Makes so. sense, doesn't it? 
I mean, it's maybe predictable, but I think it's the right call. I, I'm not going to read out all 50 because I'll be here all day. Um, I thought did, a, did a highlights, Dave. What are the highlights? Like, how do you possibly... Um, I, don't, I don't know where to begin with this. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, I, I'll give you the top 25? Top 20. Will I? <laughs> all right. Uh, stop when you feel it's it's time. I don't know. I mean, like... Take a break. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. Like I've seen kind of people kind of coming out this list being like, "Oh, there's no album from like the 21st century in the top 20, possibly." No, no, that's wrong. Um, I, I've fucked it up. So here we go. Right, well, well uh, no, number 25 is. Um, let's see. We got. Uh, <laughs> why am I so bad at this? Horse Drawn Wishes by Roller Skate Skinny. Number 24 isn't anything by my my, my, my buddy Valentine. 1977 by Ash is number 23. For those I love, at 22 with the self-titled The Clock Comes Down the Stairs, Micro Disney, number 21. You got The Frames for the Birds. You got Lancome, The Live Long Day. The Gloaming, self-titled at 18. Damien Rice is 0, 17. The Cranberries, everyone else is doing it, so why can't we? Uh, Moondance by Van Morrison. The Line and the Cobra by Sinead O'Connor at number 14. Andy Irvine and Paul Brady. Self-titled. Uh, Jailbreak, Thin Lizzy, number 12. Becoming a Jackal, Villagers, 11. And then into the top 10. Roma Sodomy and the Lash by The Pogues. Planksty, Planksty at number 9. The Unforgettable Fire, U2, at number 8. The Undertones, The Undertones at number 7. The Joshua Tree by U2, number 6. I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got, Shannon O'Connor, number 5. Heartworm by Whipping Boy, amazing album. Number 4, Astral Weeks, Van Morrison, number 3. Octoon Baby, U2, number 2. And Love Us by My Buddy Valentine, Number one, the top five are all in my top ten. So there you go. That, that, so I was in. misled briefly. I thought you wrote the top ten no. initially because it was so close to your list. It is weird. Yeah, no, that's the um, that's the one there. But like, yeah, it's just like I mean, I, it was a very well put together feature. I thought, and I thought it was a good thing to actually get people from across the industry to contribute. Like you know, um, journalists, people in like you know, people who work in the industry, musicians, etc. The list is up. I, like I, my thing was when, when they listed all the people who did it. It said like Dave Hanratty, comma podcaster, and I'm like, come on, guys, you know I'm more than that, you know. Are you still, are you still at the podcast? But like, also name the fucking podcast. It's like you know, host of this this fine podcast. But uh, yeah, you know, music critic, whatever, man about ten. Um, but yeah, like I've seen some criticism because it's like, where's X Y Z, and that, that's always going to happen with these things. I think one thing I thought was interesting was that like when the Irish Times did this a few years ago, um, in which just two people. Two journalists were the ones who put it together by the looks of things. Uh, Girl slash Gillibands, the talkies, was number one. And that was a real, like, you know, that. changing of the guard or something. That's not even in the top 50 here at all. So that just goes to show you, like, like Holding Hands with Jamie by Girl Band is in the top 50 on this one. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've seen, you know, all the usual stuff. And I've seen people being like, you know, there's very few women as well. And even, yeah, I'm guilty of that myself. My own list, my top 10 was predominantly male. Um, That's I just, why I'm here today. Mm. For counterbalance, yes, thank God. I mean, we've had two men on the last two episodes, so I'm just like, I gotta fucking address that one. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, 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 did you like, like, do these lists matter? Like, I mean, I've seen some people say that, like, it's just they don't matter whatsoever. People always get. It's fun to have a debate. Uh, you know, I, I, you're, it's never going to be perfect, right? Like, it's a weird forum of like 50 different people or whoever, and you know, how do you? Collation. Like I like when they happen. I I think like the worst thing that's going to happen is people will listen to an Irish album that they might have listened to for quite some time. Like does like did you peruse this? Did it matter to you? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I actually, I don't know. Is there something very nostalgic going on with me in the last couple of years? Um, but I felt like I was really kind of 
getting back in touch with the Irish nation when I read this list. <laughs> so like it's obviously not going to represent my top 50, but I really appreciated looking through it and seeing things that I'd, I'd never heard of before a couple of bands um, and some that I wouldn't have expected. And just it kind of, you know, when you're in the music scene in Dublin, you can get very caught up in the kind of the indie scene. And I think it's nice to like take a step back and just see how far we've come. Um, and I was, yeah, no, there's lots of stuff in it that I was, I was really pleased to see. Fight Like Apes, obviously. Um, I thought there was a lovely representation for trad, kind of the, the Irish tradition in yeah, there, which is lovely. Love, great Irvine, to see Planksty in there and yeah. Andy Irvine. And um, and Roisin Murphy as well. Yeah, Overpowered, which just, just missed out on my top 10. I was, it was that... Versus Rissangana families, let the dead bury the dead, and I chose Rissangana family. And again, I was like, I want them both in, but you know, it was kind of like uh, my own top ten, if I recall correctly, was like Rissangana at number ten, and I had like yeah, Octon Baby, Loveless, Holding Hands with Jamie. I, I had Little Sparks by De Laurentos in mind, which didn't make the top fifty here. An album I do love quite a bit that wasn't in the top fifty. Like Jape isn't here at all. Mm. That surprises me. Two time choice winner, not in the top fifty. Yeah, that's kind of. I was surprised not to see Mick Christopher. In yeah. There. That's Larkin. Yeah, you also who uh, like Kathy Davies uh, is a Tales from Silver Sleeve, which often does well in these lists, not in the top fifty. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, like you're always gonna have snubs. You're always gonna have, mm. you know, it's it's an it's an imperfect thing. It's one publication slash, you know, a group of people. It's not gospel, you know. Like, I don't think it's particularly bad to have it. Like, you know, to have those kind of snubs. I mean, like, it's perhaps upsetting for the musicians involved and whatever and. But, you know, like, and you're always going to have, like, independent artists always get fucked over in this one as well because, like, there are great independent artists out there who will never make lists like this, but it doesn't in any way devalue what they do. Mm. There are a few I, big guns as well that I kind of expected to see. I was surprised not to see Aslan and Boomtown Rats as well. Yeah. I kind of thought they'd make an appearance just in terms of my perspective of Irish music history. It feels like they were seminal. Yeah, and like as well, because I keep seeing people talk about it, and therefore I'm like, well, I, I, I really don't feel like I know what the answer is here, and I, I desperately don't want to, as a woman, you. But like, what do you think about the arguable lack of you know female representation versus male heavy list? Because like, I, I keep seeing people say, well, there's only three women in the top twenty or something, and it's like, yeah, I mean, like, like should like I'm of the opinion, and this may be completely fucking wrong, but I'm of the opinion that like to just fifty fifty it is patronizing no i'm like like am i like that's me looking at it from a very male point of view but i'm like to just be like well it's got to be you know there has to like are you automatically i have this theory not theory but i have this kind of feeling that like if you approach you know a woman's music in a different way than you would in a man's music especially with the idea of getting it in there is that not just is that not demeaning to the art that the woman has made? Like you know, like like I, I, this is me thinking out loud and totally botching what I'm trying yeah. to say. I, I think the other thing that we're we're looking at on this list as well as we're it's in, it's encompassing decades where that wasn't necessarily the case as well. So I don't think that a fifty fifty list would really make sense here. And I think to a degree it would be like countering the you know the cause. Mm. Um, there were like I definitely expected to see um, Pillow Queens in there. Yeah, would have um, thought the first album would have been in there. All right, yeah. But you know because it stands up as an album. Do you know it's a fucking good um, album? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like I'd love to see more representation in there but I think you are looking at you know just so many decades where the the lads and bands 
would have been like very good lads and bands. You two were great. Uh, <laughs> would have been like. But then, like, do you do you do a thing where you're like, well, you know, we should only have one U two album because they're there a bunch, and even on the women's side, like Shane O'Connor's, and they're like three times possibly. You know, it's just like, do you limit it? But then if you limit it, you know, you're saying, well, well this album doesn't count. It's like, it's such a weird. Like, if you really get into kind of like the granular details, I don't know how you find a harmonious solution that satisfies everybody. I don't think a list can do that, mm. especially when it's personal preference. I mean, like, I'm not gonna lie, I had a moment with my top ten where I was like. Oh, it would look better if Roisin Murphy was in there. I love the album. I want the album in on its merit, but I was like, oh, it would look better. But I'm like, well, who gives a fuck, Dave, what your list looks like? These are the 10 that you think are the 10 at this moment in time. And if Roisin Murphy sits it out, that's just the way it happens. Again, what I'm saying right now could be massively offensive. I don't even know. I'm just trying to like rationalize the unrationalizable or something. I think if you were to, like, this is of all time, right? I think if you were to say in the last 10 years, the list would look incredibly would different. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you yeah. just focus on the last if 10 years of Irish on music. the last 10 years of Irish So you music. knock out all the classics, etc. You like. knock out the likes of U2, you knock out Planksy, you knock out my the Chieftains, Valentine. you knock yeah. out My Bloody Valentine. Like Unless you include MBV, which you shouldn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's better now than I thought it was, but it's still not. It's, it's, not. it's like, it, the, the difference would be massive, even on the likes of, if, if we're taking the choice prize as an acid test as to what the best albums of that time would be you're looking at the likes of Lisa Hannigan Ethanessa Francis Anna, Anna uh, Mika, Mika yeah. um, Pillow Queens of course Circa Richardson Bridget May Power yeah you've got mm. like there's a lot out there I think what Julie was saying about it being maybe perhaps a, a symptom of the fact of how long it spans yeah. is probably a lot to do with it. And I think, you know, there's a degree to which, as you said, it's never going to be perfect. I don't think it's perfect. But if you're going to put this energy into a debate of any kind, let's try and support women in music moving forward. Let's try and change the industry for the better. Let's see how we can get that list looking different in 20 years time. I think that's a more productive use of, you know, airspace. Yeah, and like, what, like, but where does that begin? How does that take shape? Like, 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 if you had a position in the arts, like, to someone like put you in, not not in a governmental space, or maybe I don't know. I mean, like, like, what would you like to see change? Like, that could realistically occur. I think something very personal that comes back uh, for me a lot is just the sense of being comfortable talking about music, talking about making music. And I think when you look at the education, uh, music education, there's a big split between kind of the instruments you'd expect guys to pick up versus the instrument you'd, instruments you'd expect girls to pick up. And I think that a lot can be done at that like early, early, early stage in terms of giving girls a chance to be in a position where they can fuck around with pedals and, you know, make those early mistakes so that they don't have this pressure to feel like they have to get it right, you know, day one in the studio when they've never walked into a studio before because their mates didn't have a practice room that they hung out in in school. So I think that's literally just one small facet of where we can be be directing our energy to kind of change it. It's at like really, really young age. But I think it's really important as well to have spaces where, you know, we can come together and ask stupid questions and where women are heard and can, you know, have input in terms of, you know, asking questions about their own careers, but also really having a seat at the table in terms of how the industry works as well. Um, yeah, fund, funding would be great too. Yeah. Funding <laughs> for great, women. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, lots of 
you know, places we can put our energy. If you feel strongly about the list, then you should feel strongly about kind of changing what that could look like in the future. Yeah, and even like, you know, this is obviously like, it's from like an Irish publication and like, you know, I think back to my starting out days as me as journalist in Hot Press and like, I've said this before on the show and like, you know, there's no, I'm sure I dropped bullshit terms like female fronted or all female or you know the word songstress, like you know this nonsense. Oh, I'm like I'm I'm I've definitely done it. You know like I, like I I you know you don't re- like you, you don't realize like that you're just saying like but you are othering or whatever the fuck. And it's like you know you like to think that you stamp that out pretty quickly. But I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I've never like dropped a clanger in that regard. But Finger. you but you do still see it like and you do still see like you know lists that are like you know, the 25 best women. And I'm not, but then again, I'm not saying that you should never do that. Like if, if you catch it in the right way or, but you know, like Rolling Stone for years had the women in rock issue. Like that was an actual yearly issue that they did. Yeah. And it's like, well, because even Irish music itself can fall in this trap because like, you know, there's sometimes you will see, here's the 10 best albums of the year and then here's the 10 best Irish albums of the year. Why separate them? Like, shouldn't I, like, is, should an Irish album be just one of the album, like, like in mm. the overall international conversation? So, I guess the point I'm making is, like, I mean, like, as journalists as well, and even as a fucking podcaster who is tripping over his words constantly on this episode, uh, you know, you get a lot wrong, and sometimes it can be pure ignorance and like people who aren't willing to try and do better, quote unquote. One of my most hated phrases ever: do better. Um, but like sometimes it can just be like a place of like, oh yeah, hang on, no, 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 yeah, I need to actually like look at that a bit better. But yeah, it's a weird one. I don't know. I'm rambling now, so it's, it's difficult. I think especially in the era that we're in, where we're just <laughs> going to have a big Twitter spat about these things yeah. instead of actually realizing that we're angry about another thing. Do you know. Yeah, and then of course you get people who who are just pissed off that, like I say, band X aren't in there, or you know, like like lists tend to never, you know, there's always people pissed off about them. And like sometimes that's the point. Like sometimes you do that just to get quote unquote engagement now. Yeah. And like in, in my dream list, I would have included Westlife's debut album. Really? Oh yeah. 100%. Controversial. Uh, and give a man a kick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about we Bewitched? Are the way forward. What about Bewitched and their 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 poptastic debut album? The the album that changed my life. This is the thing, and they had four fucking UK number ones. Like, isn't that not historically significant, even if it was kitschy music? Yeah, that but. was like, um, I had this very significant coming of age moment when I was about, I don't know, seven or eight, and I had some pocket money, and I got to go to Chicago with my mum, which is kind of, did you have Chicago elsewhere? Is it that just a Galway thing? I don't know. Didn't have it in Draw anyway. Chivago, uh, wonderful music shop, which now mostly sells some music and kind of novelty bits and pieces, but it's still going, which is more than I can say for a lot of music shops. Um, so my mum brought me in to spend my, what, four pounds that I had saved. And the girl who was working there was was like, what, can I help you pick something out? And she walked me around the whole shop and we picked out Bewitched together and she told me like, you know, I've met lots of girls who are listening to this at the moment and I think you'd really like it. And I just felt like this really, this super cool music person was speaking to me and telling me that like, you know, you could like this too. And I felt so included and look at me now. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Like I was going to say like the, 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 the tonal dissonance between what you do. Versus, you know, that your formative, I guess, upbringing in that regard. Oh, I can hear the connection. Can you? <laughs> totally. Okay. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, I'll try and delve deeper for that one. Uh, I guess lastly, what I'll say about this list is, I mean, like, um, if anyone's curious as to what the criteria was, 
I was just asked, list your 10 favorite Irish albums from 10 down to one. And I don't know how that was processed. You know, I, one would assume it was your classic case of one point for 10, 10 points for one. I don't know. I didn't oversee the list. I was just one of many people who submitted 10 things in an email. And I've had people like, you know, it's like, people are like, well, did you put that there for like a tactical? It's like, nah, I didn't get into tactical voting. I wasn't like, well, if I put this one here, there's no, like, there's no point in doing that. You take it as, a, you know, in a good faith, face value thing. And it was really nice to be asked. Like, I, I thought it was a cool yeah. Yeah, thing. Yeah. And I will say, like, you know, it was a nice 12-page spread in the Irish Independent last weekend. It's up online at independent.ie at the moment. You know, I like when these things come around. I like the conversations around them. And more importantly, mm. I like that it just gives you a chance, as you said, to be like, oh, I didn't know that one. And I'll give that one a go. Yep. And there is, like, you know, there is recent stuff. I do think, Adam, that is an interesting point if you just limited it to, like, the last 10 or 20 years. Yeah, I think that the landscape changes drastically because, like, even in the last, like, let's talk five years, six years, mm-hmm. the, 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 there's been such a change, a sea change in, like, what music we're hearing from you know, stuff on the radio to stuff online to stuff that's kind of coming at us and the choice prize we're seeing like a lot more diversity. Yeah, it uh, goes way beyond, like, you know, we've it, yeah. been very gender focused here as well. It goes way beyond that in terms yeah, of the difference of what yeah. we're seeing. Like the, like the the pool is just enormous now. Yeah. And I do think that that is a fucking great thing. The fact that there's more music being made and it's different and it's everything has its own story to tell is just it's phenomenal like getting to experience that as a music producer is one thing but getting to experience it as a listener is a real blessing and a lot of it is of a really high standard like I mean like, like it's like yeah. both in terms of the players and how it's put together and all that kind of stuff anyway look we could talk about this all day but we won't we're going to we're going to pass the mic across to um, BBC Radio 1's Greg James who uh, interviewed two men uh, who caused some controversy recently Royal Blood we talked about on the podcast last week they uh, were none too pleased with the people who turned out for their set at BBC Radio 1's Big Day Out, or whatever it was called, in Dundee. Now, two weeks ago, uh, if you're unfamiliar, they threw a bit of a strop on stage. They asked the audience, you know, said, that you don't know who, who we are, this is rock music, yada, yada, yada. And I did say on the podcast last week, I was surprised. I, had, the climb down, yeah. I hadn't seen the, the apology, the notes <laughs> app statement. Peter McGann, our guest last week, great guest last week, he was like, oh God, please don't do that. That, that would be like really un-rock and roll. And so much like the time that uh, Jamie Carragher, well, Jamie Carragher was uh, hauled on, onto the Sky Sports or the Sky News cameras after he spat at somebody and had to like apologize and go through it and get grilled live on the air by his fucking employers. Uh, Royal Blood turned out onto the radio and they had this to say, this is frontman Mike Kerr and drummer Ben Thatcher about the uh, viral experience that they went through. This, uh, I think it's about nearly two minutes, but it's it's worth listening to some of the six-minute interview that it was, but this is the first two minutes. How to sum it up? You've had a shocker there, lads. Yeah, that really escalated. Yeah, so um, what's going on in your heads? Mike, where are you? I'm uh, amazed, honestly, at how that escalated to that kind of size. I think, um, you know, walking off from that show, um, I felt I was being entertaining in a way of trying to make light of the situation that perhaps I was in, doing a performance where I felt a little bit out of place. Mm. Um, I expected to be sort of um, a little bit bemused and maybe confuse a few people, but not to that kind of scale. Um, yeah, pretty wild. It was a it was a moment of madness that has gone out of control. I think, and uh, uh, we actually love 
love the gig. We love playing music and we love, um, yeah, doing doing what we do. So, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a mad week to come out of this. What have you been doing the last few days? Do you feel, what? how do you feel about it? Have you, what's what's in your, in your belly? It was somewhat of a blip on my part um, because... It would have taken me three minutes to think, oh, maybe these maybe these people don't know who you are. Maybe, you know, but I didn't kind of, I wasn't going through that thought process. I was like very pumped backstage. Mm. Um, and and I actually really enjoyed playing. I had a great time. And, and the <laughs> ending to me, I felt like a sort of pro wrestler. I was sort of like walking off like, I, I felt like a sort of pantomime villain. I didn't feel like I'd done anything um sort of morally wrong yeah you know, i thought i was i thought i felt like a bit of a wind up honestly that's kind of how i felt right that's mike Kerr and ben thatcher of royal blood uh climbing down after their big drop uh again i i i throw to the the rock front woman in the room uh what did you think of their drop what do you think of their climb down is this is, is this stupid lad behavior like what is this like, like where did you stand on all of this i was like i came into this side of the news story like fully prepared I was fuming I was fully preparing to to be like not good enough guys you need to know better but I think this is just lovely (laughs) (laughs) really missed the mark (laughs) if it's true and I think I think I believe them so I I was I had a bit of sympathy for them initially because I was like you never know maybe he just cracked maybe it was just that day and he wasn't thinking straight like Regardless, not good enough. You never stay, say things like that. You, it is not your fault. Oh, sorry, it's not the audience's fault that this isn't Working. connecting. Yeah, yeah. I was fully in that camp. But I just think this is such a genuinely silly, silly like effort that they made to do something and it's just gone wrong. Yeah, and they've kind of been like publicly shamed like schoolboys here as well, where it's just like like you've had a shocker there, lads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you like, can tell they're all like mm, He managed to fall mm, on his sword and still not be like, I didn't mean any of it. Like he's He's kind of owned I up to it, hasn't I he? I believe him. Yeah, they've they kinda of haven't really said sorry. That's true. Yeah. Like there I don't think it's a climb down. I think he's like, oh, it was like I was having a mess around and it kind of went a bit wrong. And again, I? this is like a 6-minute interview I've given you like, you know, a, a decent snippet over there, but it's yeah, I'm not sure if the word sorry was. It. But again, like I don't know. I mean, like I, I do think it was prickish behavior, but also it was like as we said, it's like, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I need like a, a a proper like I'm sorry to the world. It's like, okay, mm, whatever. I thought I did, but it turns out I didn't. A bit of context is nice. So yeah, when you saw the clip last week or heard it on the show or whichever, like, what was your like? Were, were you actually like, you know, the Arthur meme, just bawling your fist, being oh, like, "Do better." Yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> um, like, what about it in particular irked you the most? I think you can just you can have a shit storm on stage, and that has to be the last resort. Has to be blaming the audience. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors in terms of what can stress you out on stage. You can have, and I, you know, I've seen people kind of cross the line with sound engineers and things like that. And I, it's very claustrophobic when there's kind of all these different things happening and it's, and you are trying to be your best on stage. But I think if you're that seasoned at it, like you have to have mechanisms of like, where do you go with that energy? What do you fall back on? How do you find a way to take five? To be honest, um, when we started gigging, um, as a band, because I used to be a singer-songwriter, so my 
banter was much more like kind of more in a trad sense of the word. I would like tell a bit of a story about the song, and then I'd go into it, and it was it was all very folky. And when we started the band. I like people would just walk away while I was talking. <laughs> I just realized I didn't have like band banter. That, okay. that wasn't my style at all. And so we now just have like interludes between the songs. And it's not just so that Julie will shut up. It's it's because I can actually stay in the zone then and I don't feel the need to like entertain. But like you gotta, I think after years, you learn what works for you on stage to kind of keep keep things moving along. And so yeah, at the time I was like, this is just... Like, this is like second gig territory. But again, I've, got, I've kind of done a 180 on it. <laughs> yeah, they, again, it, it's it's that thing, isn't it? Of like text versus speech and hearing the voice. Like they, yeah, it the does, context and the tone. They sound contrite, yeah. yeah. And also, again, you know, no one got fucking killed. Like, you know, we can all move on. I'm fascinated, though, by that um, kind of juxtaposition you're talking about, you know, the folk audience versus the rock band audience and how, like, it's two different worlds in terms of what to expect or what people will react to. I guess, I mean, like for my, I, you know, I'm not a seasoned folk gig goer, so, but I'd imagine people are kind of there to hear a bit of a story and like mm-hmm. kind of, it's a bit more wrapped of attention. Whereas like, yeah, take me through how you kind of learned the difference or like at least got better at the second one. Oh, awkwardly at first, <laughs> like just really not understanding why kind of people's heads are in their phones. Um, but it's not even, I don't think people are, are even realising, you know, I don't think I'm literally boring people with what I'm <laughs> saying. I think it's more just that you've you've given them this vibe and then you've just broken it. So I think what what we've done as a band is kind of, been like, oh, we've actually changed a lot as a band and realized what kind of show do we want to put on? Like, how do we want to immerse people into what we're doing? But I see, I mean, Alvaretti, queen of onstage banter. I would go see her and just just doing banter alone, to be honest. She'd be great at stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> to um, be fair, she would. like. So it's not brilliant. kind of, there's no one-size-fits-all rule about this. Um, but I definitely think you should learn what you are good at and what you are bad at. Um, and if, you know, getting stroppy on stage is something that might happen to you, you should learn that after a while. Yeah. And I'm sure like, I mean, like in terms of keeping your cool and stuff, I'm sure you've had, as everyone does, you know, the more you gig, the more it could happen. Like I'm sure you've had an onstage disaster or two that has been obviously not what, you, not what the doctor ordered, but it's about how you react in the moment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think we are much more comfortable as a band now where our reaction in the past might have been like uh, obviously looking tense and looking kind of confused and annoyed at each other. Whereas now we know how to roll with the punches. And I think we are actually now a band that laughs on stage so much more than we used to be. And I am glad to be getting into that kind of air, like season of gigging now where I think we know the kind of crack that we want to have on stage. Mm-hmm. And speaking of positivity, it's a, a nice outcome for Royal Blood, Forgiven by Julie Hawk <laughs> at the last minute. Well, <laughs> jury's still out. Um, I, let's stick though for a second with kind of UK rock lads because I was stunned to learn this week that you had apparently never seen a photograph of Matty Healy from 1975. How is that possible? Listen. This man is everywhere. I consume about 90% of my music news through this podcast. Thank you. And there are no kind of screens it's an involved. audio medium, it's an yeah. audio visual medium. Surely we've had a picture so, of him on the cover. Definitely. But I, Surely. <laughs> but, he, but I'm convinced that he would call to your fucking house you know, at this stage, you know? <laughs> I could pass him in Tesco. I mean, probably not now. 
But I could have passed him in Tesco and I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, so we're talking about Matty Healy because um, we just can't stop. Uh, I had one Matty Healy story this week. We, we now have two. The first one is um, shock horror. He and Taylor Swift have broken up <laughs> after what, like a month or less? Not like, even, like, like just about four weeks, I think. Which is just like, again, I'm like, you didn't even like get the publicity properly out of this. I mean, yeah, you got the publicity, but I, I thought there would have been a lot more. It was reported uh, during the week that they are, quote, shaking it off when it comes to their relationship. Um, according to a friend close situation, Taylor is single again. It's unclear why they've split up. Whirlwind romance, uh, you know, it's it's done. It's over. You know, how do we feel? Upset? We all uh, upset about this? Never bought it. Always thought they were riding. That's exactly what they were doing. I'd agree with Adam. Which is fine. Like, I mean, I don't know why people were so... And like, you Waved, know, it's just, it's all the, the Swift fans are like, we won. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, we got rid of this problematic man. It's just like... Who dust, fucking... Yeah, dust in their hands a bit. Jesus. But like, I don't know. It's like the fucking zeitgeist of Taylor Swift's relationship status. I can't understand it. Yeah. I, can't, I don't get it. And again, like I said before on the show, I'm like, I think it's really gauche that like her fans are criticising the men she's dating. It's like, you don't get to do that. Let her live her life. You yeah, know, it doesn't make. I don't yeah, know. let let her be just out of a long term relationship and make a few mistakes. Yeah, make a few mistakes. And have, yeah, fun. Let, have fun. I hope Presumably she's having fun. have fun. Jesus, like, yeah. I hope he wasn't horrendous. I, I'm not. Know? No, I'm not going to shame anyone having fun. Yeah. yeah. That's not, yeah, this is a pro fun podcast, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but Matty Healy, uh, so 975 played Dublin this week. I wasn't there. You see, you supported them, Dave. I did. <laughs> <laughs> they were supported by Matty Healy. So Caroline Polacek was supposed to support, but I think she lost her voice. Yeah, she was sick, I think. Had yeah, to pull yeah, out at the last, last minute. minute. Yeah, yeah. I'd so. love to have seen her. Yeah, I know. And like, like th- that, that would actually really annoy me if it was like, and I like the 1975, mm. but if I was like, oh, class, I'm going to see Caroline Polacek. And it's like, you're not, but you are going to see an acoustic set by Maddie Healy. Like that to me, like, I know that they're the kind of high concept bullshit band that can probably get away with this, but I'm kind of like, like that almost fucks it up for me. It's like, no, I'm going to watch a 1975 show immediately after this. I don't know. I'm sure he made it work. But he caused headlines where he said, a hit back at Noel Gallagher. Because <laughs> Noel Gallagher recently called him "quote a slack jawed fuckwit," which is Incredible. quite quite the Noel Gallagherism. Hell, he never stops, does he? Speaking to the crowd at uh, St Anne's Park in Dublin on Wednesday, Mandy Healy um, discussed the support he's had for members of Coldplay and U2, who had reached out to him recently. Um, he said, "Today, honestly, this is not a name drop. The celebration of those people, Chris Martin and Bono, have sent us the most beautiful messages, packages, kind of good wishes, packages." Yeah, doesn't Bono do that? Yeah, he does. He yeah. does. He's very, he's very kind and very like generous with like gift baskets when people play. If like the academic are playing yeah. like the three arena or something, there'll be like a gift basket of Guinness or something from yeah, Bono. Yeah, you know, like Where, it's such a lovely thing to do. Like, it, it, cast all things aside here, that's a really nice thing to do nice. from like someone who is, you know, one of the Mount Rushmore heads of Irish music. Like yeah. to be able to like just, it's such a nice thing, and it like probably doesn't take an awful lot of effort from him, but it's nice that to think that it's him doing it and maybe not one of his assistants or someone like that. It's probably know? one of his assistants. Yeah, yeah probably. Probably one of the higher up assistants. But at the same time, I'm sure he got the, he gave the nod to do it. Either I, like not, just like a blanket. I do know someone. A, a blanket key to just, I, I know, do, do know like, so two of my friends were in like a very upscale Dublin restaurant a few years ago and while they were there, they noticed this um, rock and roll looking man nearby and it was in fact Bono. Uh, Paul Houston himself and essentially I think at one stage Bono asked for some salt and vinegar crisps 
from behind the bar but the restaurant is so upscaled that they don't have crisps so there was like a panic of like some fella had to run out to the shop and buy a bunch of crisps and apparently Bono was like oh no 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 like, apparently he was very nice he's like no no please don't go to like me. if you don't have it you don't have yeah, it but, like, no, no, but, they, any normal but they were like, would, like get yeah. out now to the spa <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar a thing happen to me I was working my first job was uh, in a restaurant on Key Street in Galway which lots of people in Galway's first job is in a restaurant or bar on Key Street uh, it's kind of a rite of passage a summer job on Key Street, Rice Week included. It's oh, wow. Crazy. Sounds absolutely wonderful. And um, we often get um, Phil Jupitus comes, oh, yeah. comes through. He plays or performs the Roisin or at one point very regularly. I'm sure he's still coming through. And he came in one morning for his breakfast and he asked for, um, well, to, to my hearing, he asked for marmalade. And we didn't have any marmalade in the restaurant. And it was, I think it was really early on a Sunday and none of the shops were open yet. So I was running up and down Galway trying to get marmalade. And I finally got in some in, uh, in Dunn stores and I came all the way back to the restaurant. I was like, got you, got you marmalade. And it turns out he'd asked for Marmite. Oh no. Which, by, by which point he had like finished his, I must say, great ordering steak, eggs and chips, um, which is a, you know, Breakfast of Kings. Okay, I was about to say, he, had no, he had nothing meal. left to yeah. put the marmalade or the marmalade on anyway. Do you but, just give him the yeah. jar? Like, I, here you go. Please take my marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> no extra charge, sir. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, the things we do for celebrities. But um, Maddie Healy, who is a celebrity, uh, said about Noel Gallagher on stage in Dublin. He said, Noel Gallagher called me a slack-jawed fuckwit. I love Noel Gallagher. We asked Liam to open up, said he would have done it, but he was busy. But I love Noel Gallagher. He's just getting on. The difference between me and Noel is that I do a series of interviews to promote an album, whereas he does an album to promote a series of interviews. Now, people have really kind of like said, fucking oh, 10 nil to Matty Healy. I'm like, is that that good of a line? It's okay. I think it's a good line. I think it's good. I think it's good. I don't think he like fucking, you know, one knockout or one punch knockout at him. Like, I don't think that's but I, inc- I think that he, incredible. I think it's really good though. I think he's winning in his lack of effort. Oh yeah, he is. He's not being particularly vicious at any point here. It's just all kind of lovely banter from him. Um, and I don't obviously agree with everything Matt Healy has said and done in life. But in this instance... I think he's winning. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Finally, in the news section, I have gotten off the couch. I've thrown the doors open to the studio. I have walked down to the end of the street where I stand (laughs) at a certain intersection. And uh, yeah, this is part where you, if you're at full volume for some reason, just turn it down for a sec. You didn't think you didn't think you'd never hear it again, did you? <laughs> Kiss Corner is back. Do you know why? Because Gene Simmons from Kiss uh, was in Northern Ireland this week, uh, where he uh, rocked up to Prime Minister's questions and called for the restoration of Stormont and power sharing thereof. I don't really have anything else to add apart from clearly I've picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. How the fuck has this happened? He was the guest of uh, like. Ian Paisley? Paisley Jr. Well, I will, uh, the, uh, there's nothing to add here apart from this is completely insane. The one thing I will say is uh, if you look at the BBC Northern Ireland uh, website on this one, the opening paragraph is gold. It's like the, cla- like this is if you were doing like the 6-1 News or something, 
you would open with this text, like, you know, you'd be like, it was a crazy, crazy sight in Westminster as Kiss star Gene Simmons rocked up to Prime Minister's questions and then called for the restoration of power sharing in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Phenomenal. Nonsense. The rock star said Stormont must be restored to look after people's needs. Thanks, Jean. <laughs> what is happening? And, and this concludes our Kiss Corner. That's Kiss I, Corner. Uh, I emotionally had to climb down from this, though, because I fell for the clickbaity image <laughs> of that his, I was served. Of oh, you so thought he was in... I thought yeah. he played. <laughs> like, or he was in full... Or he was just at least in full fright makeup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had this runner, like, years ago when I was in a band, like, I had this weird... Like, there was one day in the practice... Like, I'm sure, like, you know, we've all had this happen, but, like, I just got, like, a, a, a weird fit of the giggles and I just could not focus. And everyone was like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, in my, my brain, I just imagine, like, a scenario where Gene Simmons was just going around the world kicking doors in, in full get-up while, like, jamming on his bass or something and, like, breathing fire. And I just, like, had this... It, it just haunted me around forever. So, But it's kind of come true now. <laughs> he's literally... He's, he's, yeah, he's getting closer. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, guards... Yeah, like, the National Guard, like, like posted at every border. It's like, he's over the border! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. But, yeah, it was just very disappointing to see, like... Because, again... Most news outlets led with an image of him, you know, at a yeah. gig with his fucking tongue, in full makeup, his like. fucking tongue out, you know, yeah. star child himself. And then, of course, you see the photo of him and it's like, oh, no, he didn't worry. That's fine. Well, if he passes through Lusk, I'll let you guys know. I'll give you the heads up. Please I'm, fur- do. I'm further north than you. We'll set up an alert group on Telegram or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Anyway, listen, um, it, it, our Kiss Supernatural, they are knights in Satan's service, after all. So, you know, that kind of leads us nicely into our top five this week, everybody. It's top five Supernatural songs. Uh, anything to add before we jump in? I found this really hard. I uh, definitely have gone very tenuous with this one. And I'm relying on you, Julie, to carry the show for the second half of the program. How do you feel about that? Uh, confident as she shuffles her notes. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Uh, yeah, so Supernatural songs. I mean, like, we we did scary songs on the podcast three years ago, mm-hmm. or there thereabouts, so I, I didn't Some go... Some of the early ones. Didn't go, yeah, Lockdown Special. I didn't go for a Lockdown Special as we did the podcast over lockdown for a long time. Um, I think probably one of the first episodes I ever listened to. Okay, amazing. And it, clearly it worked on you, so I haven't... I was terrified. <laughs> yeah, I'm still scared. That's why I can't sleep. <laughs> I uh, didn't go for songs that really kind of spook me out. It was more like, you know, I'm kind of playing with form as usual. But uh, you're our guest. I would like you to go first. And you know how it works. You know, you just tease it up and don't tell me what it is. And I don't know what you've picked, of course. So hopefully I will be dazzled. Bedazzled? Do you get it? Nice. <laughs> I nailed it. 
He's absolutely phenomenal. That's the show, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I feel like I have very big boots to fill, so I have written out my intros. We'll see if I stick to my notes, but for now I'm going to stick to my notes. All right. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Um, okay, so for my number five. Picture this. It's not picture this. Thank fuck. I know. I know you're a huge picture this. <laughs> that would be supernatural. But Dave, picture this. It's 1995 in New York City. Rollerblading is cool. And you and your high school hacker friends need to race across, to gra- across town to Grand Central Station to use payphones to hack into a multi-million dollar company and prevent an oil tanker fleet from capsizing, a crime for which you and your hacker friends have been framed. Voodoo People by The Prodigy, taken from their second album, Music for, for the, the Jilted, Jilted Generation. Generation. But it's also from the soundtrack to the greatest film of all time. Hackers. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I'm so I happy. I can't believe it, you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> Over joy, joy in the studio. I think, did I pick this before for a top five age? I think I must have. I can consult the archives. Please do. because like, It I, feels I, familiar. It does feel familiar. Oh, it's familiar. It's familiar, all right. So, uh, most of, I think 95% of the conversations I've had with Julie over the last few months have just been about hackers. So, a good 90, yeah. So this is, this is uh, kismet or whatever that word is. This is now a hackers podcast. You have been hacked. <laughs> Best film of all time. It's so good. And this song, oh my God, please. Uh, so it's it's probably like on the less overtly magical of all the tracks that I've picked tonight. But it's definitely, it captures a sense of like a dark and enticing underworld, um, which I just find really just intriguing and enthralling. And I always have, even like hackers aside, I've always found myself really drawn to the Prodigy. And I, I heard them first like, really young because like they by the time I was kind of aware of the charts they were well in the mainstream and I actually heard the prodigy for the first time when I was about eight or nine through my best friend's little sister who was about six or seven and she had really really cool parents (laughs) her parents (laughs) like she had like Keith Flint posters on her wall and I can I can see it like um, yeah. So troubling, he, a troubling young girl. That well, like that. Even the side of Keith Flint, like you know, in in his kind of with his contact lens and his fright makeup, like his hair, for a child, like he does look like kind of you know not supernatural, but there is a demonic edge to him, I guess. Mm. Like I mean, he's just absolutely incomparable as a as a front man, and I think to take because they obviously represented something very underground in terms of rave, but. He just took that, whether it was intentional or not, managed to take that into the mainstream in a way that was so scary and so inviting at the same time that kind of like, you know, the the idea of this charting, when you think back, is kind of, it's it's kind of amazing. Mm. And um, yeah, I just, he's incomparable as a frontman. Like I have a few regrets in terms of bands that I wish I had seen. Like I did not see Amy Winehouse at Oxygen because I was like, 
she'll be back next year. Like I really had that attitude of, uh, we'll, you know, I will get a chance to see her. Never saw Linkin Park, but I did see Prodigy twice. Okay. Uh, once for my 17th birthday. Wow. Uh, solid. Solid and again, a so- solid birthday. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so I'm from Galway. So in order to go see gigs in The Point, you'd have to either get a lift or you'd have to get enough friends together that you could hire a bus. And I definitely wasn't that popular <laughs> in school. But when people found out that this was the plan for my birthday, if we can get enough people <laughs> together, this ended up being this kind of like 30 to 40 random heads from Galway from kind of, you know, every scene you can imagine in school, like the rugby lads, the hockey girls, <laughs> the vaguely mosher people of which I was one and we all got onto a bus together and went off to my birthday party in in the point uh it was incredible um what year was this I'm trying trying to think what they would have been touring like 2016 2015 no, not 2015. That's not my age. Uh, 2005, 2006. There we go. I'm adding 10 years. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, I was in fifth year, I think. So, yeah, because like, I, I like always outnumbered never, Eric Gund, was there around that 2003 It was before the... It was, it's, invaders before, mu- it was before Invaders, invaders Must, must die. die. is like 2010. No, I think it's 2008. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, 2009. But yeah, so that kind of... They're on the kind of like, I guess, a different chapter of their career at that point. They're still... And yeah, it's like... So I assume that was the greatest gig of all time. It was incredible. I was being given a lot of drink, sorry mum, on the bus. You're 17. Uh, so I nearly didn't get in. Uh, but a good friend of mine, Colm Coughlin, pretended to be my boyfriend at the door and was like, I'll take care of her, don't worry. <laughs> so luckily I didn't get booted out of the gig and I was fine for the rest of the night. So someone bought me a, a, a Coke or something. I was okay. Um, but yeah, incredible night. Yeah, I saw them at a festival once towards the end, and that's I I I didn't see them at, at their own show, and that's a major regret for me. And uh, yeah, Keith Flint, like fucking oh, man, RIP. Like, I mean, I I remember like when he died, I was going over to the UK to see Billie Eilish in a very small venue before, as she was, you know, becoming the biggest star in the world. And the news broke uh, that morning, and I remember being on the flight over, and I wrote like on on a notes app, like I, I wrote like an article that I would write, I, I would put up on Joe, um, and I, like I didn't know, like it wasn't about knowing all the knowledge and having all the you know the the stats or whatever. It was more about just the feeling that I obviously how sad I felt at what had happened and you know how he died, but also. Uh, that this incredible force was gone and like I thought about exactly stuff like this and even away from Hackers which of course yes obsessed with but like my brother had music for the Jealousy Generation on CD and I would always just nick his CD and play mm-hmm. it on my ghetto blaster in my I room I think we have that in common yeah and like this and One Love is One Love on that I think it is were the ones I would always just blast constantly and I was just so entranced by this song in particular though because it's just it is pure adrenaline it is so alive you know it makes you feel like you can do anything mm. and I, I yeah, you're dead right though there is that and they had it especially on like an album like Music for the Just Generation and Fat of the Land as well they had a real there was a sinister edge I could understand if some parents were like well this is a bit much because it kind of was but it felt so fucking cool to yeah. tap into it really rings me back to watching Top 30 Hits. Yeah, the best. 
the best era, actually, I think, of like, you know, for Irish uh, music and TV because you're just you got all these little snippets. That was it, yeah. Yeah, you got like 30 seconds or something. And I was like, what is that? Take that. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I get it? Um, this is an inspired choice. Like when I was looking up stuff this week, you know, like I did see like, you know, Voodoo by Godsmack, but I never even thought to pick this. Did I pick this before, Adam? Have you tracked it down? Um, you did not. That's baffling to yeah, me. Yeah, bonkers, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. You did recently have uh, another song from the Hackers soundtrack though. Uh, Richard Chambers picked Halcyon and on and on. Yes, I don't know. Like, yeah, like, is he is he a hackers guy though? I have to I have to quiz him on that one. He must be deep down somewhere. We all are, aren't we? We'll get him on <laughs> with the special. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, amazing first choice. Uh, you put me to shame already. Uh, my number five is kind of a last minute substitution, which I'll explain. And they're an act that you know, kind of a boring choice in a way because they're everyone you know all, like everyone's favorite band ever. Even though I'm not that mad into them, they're good. I like them, but you know, this applied and it made me kind of actually go, yeah, yeah, that that song actually is pretty great, and that album is pretty great. So here's my number five, everybody. It's Radiohead, everybody. <laughs> and it's Burn the Witch, uh, which is the lead single from A Moon Shaped Pool, which came out in 2016. I remember thinking this was all right when I first heard it, but then I fell in love with it and I thought the album was actually absolutely brilliant. Not, you know, that's not a surprise to make good albums. I've just, I've never quite had the religious experience of Radiohead. I like them quite a bit. Um, but outside of like a couple of albums, I've never really, quote unquote, gotten it fully. Um, but this, you know, is a song which is, uh, I guess in its lyrics, it's mostly about kind of political paranoia, but like the video pays homage to The Wicker Man, uh, which is a film that still freaks me out. Slaps. The original, not the Nick Cage version, which is they not... They both slap. Do you think they both slap? Absolutely. <laughs> For different reasons. Perhaps. <laughs> and I will say as well, I, I wanted to kind of... I've been I've been kind of literal this week, I think, with my titles and stuff. Um, and I wanted to have a witch one because uh, witches freak me the fuck out. You know... The, uh, tell me more. <laughs> well, I've talked often about the Blair Witch Project, which yeah. in 1999 haunt, it still haunts me to this day. Um, and I don't know. I, I just... I think it's, I think it's a very evocative, terrifying character, you know, from, you know, children's folklore and all that kind of stuff. I think it, there are all kinds of monsters and supernatural beings that, you know, populate fiction and music and entertainment and beyond. But yeah, I've always found witches to be particularly just like, no, please. <laughs> They're just like, I don't know, I feel like you've got no chance or something. Like they've got you figured out. That's it. If you're in their line of sight, you're done. And one thing I do like about this song, though, like I say, you know, if you get into the kind of interpretations of what it's about, it's People have said it's about everything from surveillance states to how migrants are treated and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do think that the music like is quite there's something kind of beautifully light and like light and carefree, but it's also just couched in this weird sinister thing, which is what Radiohead and Tom York are very good at. And the reason that this was a last minute substitution was I was going to pick Suspirium from Suspiria, oh, the okay. remake, which he did. Um I think, you know, it's a different, much different song, but like it's a film about witches. 
and the the score that he did for that I think is incredible and really adds to the whole I forgot that was him yeah um, Dahi Odroni friend of the show of course is fucking obsessed with that film and that score uh, he was like entranced by it uh, Matt won't watch it really Matt, Matt of Hawk fame near fame <laughs> he won't watch it uh, we, we, we have watched it it is set in <laughs> Berlin which you lived there yeah I, I loved it uh, I think he's glad for the experience okay he doesn't need to relive it I'm well up for a, re- a rewatch he's yeah. a one doner um, yeah, I, with this with this one, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think it's the um, the limbs. Yeah, yeah, that's a horrific sequence. I rewatched <laughs> it recently, and like, it's never as good as I want it to be. I think it like I don't know why I don't love it more, but I love the atmosphere. I love the music. I'm scared of witches. I, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm scared of witches, guys. You know, <laughs> I'm more scared of spiders. I thought I thought it was beautiful, and uh, I love. I love a witchy story that um, talks about ageism and like how you should age and stink, you know. Uh, eternal youth and yeah I love it it's creepy it's terrifying it's brilliant yeah and like again I like I, I have been literal this week there's just no way around it but I just found because I, I did I found this tough especially because I was trying to avoid repeats especially cliches as well I'm, I'm, well like yeah this isn't like I'm not trying like this isn't me trying but well I'm going to pick Radiohead and be esoteric <laughs> it's more me being like oh, like this kind of applies I think a little bit and it gives me a chance to talk about witches and I'm already kind of giving myself goosebumps well, I don't know what it is I, I, I don't know, like, why I've just always kind of... I think Hansel and Gretel fucked me up when I was a kid. It's terrifying. There's just no remorse, you know? Witches, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who'd so, have them? So, 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 who'd be a witch? So that's my number five. That, that yeah. was on my long list, so I'm really... Oh, I, I, I dated a witch. I, 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 I went out with a witch years ago. A white... oh, okay, well, we can't move on from this. <laughs> um, a, white, a, a practicing white witch. And a practices Wiccan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, she, 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 was, she was lovely. She was really, really nice. Um, I, you know, there was no spells or anything involved, but... That you know of. That's true. I mean, like, it didn't... I didn't... I was thinking that. I didn't say it. <laughs> it didn't end... How did I know you were thinking It didn't end well. And I would have wondered if the last uh, 12 years of my life have been hexed in some fashion <laughs> so um, what can I say you know oh, we, we um, used to do a bit of light as a feather stiff as a board crack me and my cousins back in the, in the craft. day in a, yeah you know sleep over yeah. It's Did you done. say a bit of we... the craft? No, 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 the film The Craft. Like, oh. it, it's in, it's I in. I thought you were into referring to witchcraft. <laughs> As, As the, the craft. craft. <laughs> Do you know the craft, like? A few crafters <laughs> with the boys. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, the motion picture, oh, The Craft. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Have you seen, have you seen the terrible sequel? <sighs> Oh no, I haven't. The Craft I, I Legacy. Don't think I can. It's garbage. I'm scared. <laughs> this is why I actually coming on this podcast and talking about hackers. I'm terrified that someone's going to do a remake. Of hackers. I actually don't like talking about it too much. It's to too cool. No, they, they to won't. People do it. that I don't trust who might go off and make a remake. Please don't do it. So perfectly nineties though, and it, it <laughs> really fucking annoys me that like the lighthouse cinema never show it, even though it would fit into so many of the seasons they do. Just show the movie, guys, you cowards. Okay, that's my number five. What's your number four? So my next pick is definitely very ghostly, very, very literal. Um, It's a piece of music that's been performed by many artists over the years, but possibly none quite, quite like this. He went his way homeward with one star. Swan in the evening 
this was more of an ode to the song itself, uh, but as well as an ode to this particular performance. Uh, that was Sinead O'Connor performing She Moves Through the Fair, or He Moves Through the Fair uh, live in 1995. I actually couldn't find it on Spotify initially because she changes the gender of the song. So I was like, where, where is this? And I eventually found it on YouTube and managed to track it down. Um, but it's th- there are lots of incredible performances of this song. Simple Minds is possibly the most well-known. Uh, it's been performed by Art Garfunkel, Rory Gallagher, and presumably many, 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 many songsters and songstresses. Over Songstress. There, <laughs> there it is. is. See? <laughs> over, She's um, just as guilty as me, folks. <laughs> Over hundreds of years. It's a very old piece of music, to put technically. (laughs) Possibly dating back to Donegal or Scotland. And it tells the story of a man whose lover's family don't approve of their match, so they're destined to be together only in the afterlife. And then when she passes away, or he, in the case of this version, um, he returns to tell her that it will not be long now until our wedding day as a ghost. Jesus. Um, yeah, I, like, I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with this. I'm just going to come out and say it. Oh, well, I'm I'm happy to talk about this song. Yeah, educate me, please, and, and, and thus the listener. Uh, I really, really wanted to pick this um, because, I don't know, we were talking earlier about just the Irish tradition and grow for superstitious folklore, supernatural stories. Um, and I, it, it's something that means an awful lot to me that the song tradition here that have been kind of passed on through years and years of word of mouth initially before anything could have been filmed and archived in this way. So I think it's something like I lived away from Ireland for the la- not the last, but for 10 years. And in all of that time, I did loads of gigs and I did open mics and I collaborated. But it was only when I came back to Ireland in the last couple of years that I really started to appreciate there's a really different kind of currency in the way that we exchange and play music in the Irish tradition and I think it obviously dates back to the survival of these songs and these kind of folk stories and the superstitions having to be passed on through word of mouth so in another context when you're singing a song like say on stage you're offering up a a performance, but I I really think in the Irish tradition of kind of sitting down and sharing when when the everybody's being shushed because the old man in the corner is singing a Shano's piece, it's because a little bit of history is being kept alive, like a little bit more every time that that song is is sung. Like obviously now we do have recordings and we write these things down and you can listen to that on YouTube, but I think something about her performance in particular, I. I'd really, really recommend watching it on YouTube as opposed to looking up the the song on Spotify because there's such a reverence that she brings to the storytelling of the song. And I think she's utterly unique in terms of what she can do as a performer. But I think she knows that and I think she knows it's a huge privilege to be able to stand up and move people the way she does. And I think she also is very intelligent and very aware of the history that she's keeping alive when she does that as well. So the, there's just such respect in that performance. I would hugely recommend going and watching it. Even the clip, I mean, not to contradict what you just said there, but like just that audio, like immediately, like, you know, you're just like hairs in the back of your neck. Like, you, you know who this mm. is. She has this incredible aura, you know, that she's just always had. 
And even like, you know, there was that time recently when she done like a few years ago, she on the Late Late Show doing like a performance, Nothing Compares to You. And I was just like so transfixed by it. Like, it's just like someone who genuinely has, you know, is it a supernatural power? But she's got an unbelievable power in her and has always had it. Yeah. So it's just like, no, fucking no one sounds like Shane O'Connor. Like, it's outrageous. Mm. Like, so yeah, I will. Yeah. Like I say, like, you know, I don't know it enough, clearly, but I, I will also be investigating it. So. Uh, what's 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 really really annoying in terms of like my follow-up is like it's just <laughs> it's like beyond flimsy by comparison like what i have up next <laughs> like it's just like i'm actually ashamed to be like well let me tell you what i've got at number four because i was like oh yeah I, that song's about this okay fine and i will say it's um it's kind of shocking in one sense that i would ever pick this band um <laughs> in a positive way but i i like the song okay all right, so here it is. Stranded in the spooky town. Stop at the square and the phone runs down. Lord, you cracked cold. She took my heart, I think she took my soul. With the moon out of from the carnage of the fire. That's right. Uh, Dave picked a Kings of Leon song. Wow. It's called Closer. It's not as good as Closer by Nine Inch Nails, but a few songs are. Um, it's about a vampire, which I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know either. I'll get to the lyrics in a second, but this is the opening track of um, the album with Sex on Fire on it, which is just... Oh, that, oh, that song. Yeah. Only by the Night, right? Only by the Night, yeah. Do you know what year? I'm going to say 05? Oh, 08. Oh, Fuck. 2008. Their fourth album. Uh, you Somebody is on it as well. It is. They're, you know, the two best songs of all time, Sex and Fire and You Somebody. Possibly. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, tied, tied for first place. Tied for first place, yeah. This Joined album, first. This, also, like, this opens up a closer and then it's got Crawl and Crawl fucking rules, by the way. Yeah, and, I, and I was reminded of how much it rules when I went to a live wrestling show in January yes. and like the heel faction came out to Crawl <laughs> and me and Richie were like, this kind of fucking rules. <laughs> and ever since then I've been like, do I like Kings of Leon now? Do I love Kings of Leon? <laughs> Are they the best band? I never really did though I, I everyone has that thing where they're like oh those first two albums man and i was like yeah i'd be i'd be that guy really oh, first you were you were there milk what's the one with milk um on it? i don't know first so, i mean I, I, it was certainly pre sex on fire situation so like you still put like the bucket on it so what it was like a ha yeah, shake heartbreak and yeah. what was the other one uh the second one i don't know it, it, i'm gonna look it up yeah people I, are screaming at their, chamber <laughs> There is Molly's Chambers was a, was a song. One yeah. really good song on that second record, and I can't think of what it is. Um, I'm going to put people out of the misery who are all, all the Kings Leon fans just roaring in, down their phone here. All two uh-huh, of them. Sorry, guys. Uh, they're still a popular band, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through their. Yeah, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll go through their entire discography once I have managed to located here every week. This is really good <laughs> podcasting, I have to say. You can tell I was prepared this week. I had, look, I've, I'm coming off the back of a really horrible, depressive episode, guys, okay? So, you know, I'm trying my best. Uh, Youth and Young Manhood was the first album in 2003. Then you had a half-shake heartbreak in 2004. Can you name 2007's album? No, and I can see the cover 
I can see mm. it. It's got a light bulb exploding yeah. on it. Uh, I can't, I can't. The lead single was On Call. I know it's got like the same amount of syllables as both previous ones and the ones to follow. <laughs> it's because of the times. Because of the times, yeah. Then you got Only By The Night. Yeah. Can you name the next one? Is that a thing? Uh, is Mechanical Bull the next one? No, that's after this one. So it's Come Around Sundown. Come Around Sundown. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanical Bull Walls. Is the first one that didn't have the seven syllables or ever many. Is that actually a thing? Only by the no, five syllables in every album name up until then. Check it out. <laughs> Seriously. And then you got When You See Yourself in 2021, which, by the way, was not bad. Also have five syllables, by the way. <laughs> well, actually, Walls is actually an acronym yeah, for, for some... We Are All Like Love Songs. So does that... It's got five one... letters? No, it's got six syllables. <sighs> this high concept band will be the death of me. Uh, I will say, when you, <laughs> so see your... <laughs> when you See Yourself, which came out in 2021, isn't a bad album. And it's got one song on there called Golden Restless Age, which I fucking love. I also do love the song Closer. I think it's got a beautiful atmosphere to it. I love that kind of, you know, whoop, whoop. Thing going on, but the lyrics, right? So, yeah, all this time I didn't know. Stranded in this spooky town, stoplights are swaying and the phone lines are down. Floors crackling cold. She took my heart, I think she took my soul. With the moon I run, far from the carnage of the fiery sun, driven by the strangle of vain, showing no mercy, I'd do it again. Open up your eyes, you keep on crying, baby, I'll bleed you dry. So, yeah, he's a vampire, apparently. I'm so glad we got a vampire in. That's great. I was going to go with like Vampires Will Never Hurt You by My Chemical Romance, but it's more of a metaphor, I think. So uh, we have an actual vampire. Does that mean that you don't have one in your in, the, in your remaining list? That's a spoiler, yeah. Wow, I'm surprised. I, I, I would have thought vampires were particularly... I did consider the MCR song. It's a good song. It's a good, good song. Are Kings the only good band? Like, So you had a, you had a phase. You did have a phase. I had one. a bit of a phase, but I also have long-standing beef with... <laughs> Kings Leon fans. The Fallowell clan. Um, because in my youth, I and I still am a massive Interpol fan. And so I went I went to Oxygen the year that Interpol uh headlined one of the smaller stages. Yeah. yeah. And that was incredible because the only people left there were the people who wanted to see Interpol and it was really, really special. Then they as you do, they got moved up to a bigger stage <laughs> right before Kings Leon. Um, the following year so I was really really excited to go see Interpol and the Kings Leon fans were just like <laughs> like then I, Interpol were not to be heard um, yeah not a note I was mad <laughs> was, I think I was that auction in 2008 yeah I was there yeah I was <laughs> to there see I did see some of Kingsley and I think I left halfway through I was like this sucks I'm not enjoying it I Um, I didn't think they were bad it's their fans I had beef with yeah that's fair they were highly disrespectful yeah that's fair and there was you know like the Fratellis were playing that weekend so there was a lot of Chelsea daggering going on all weekend I saw saw Kingsley on play Marley Park in like 2011 maybe it was like, it was a long time ago now, but it was pretty good. They've so been a lot yeah they come here all the time there was that weird run where they were doing like three three arena shows I think like two of them sold, but then the third one was just like your classic case of like radio stations giving away tickets every five seconds. Mm. And speaking of which, actually, the one I did see in Marley Park, the opening band, I can't remember who they were, but Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine was playing in the band. Okay. So that was interesting. And I was like, I know him. Audio Slave? It wasn't, it wasn't Audio Slave. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't Audio Slave. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, I can't remember, what's the, I can't think of their names. Anyway, totally pointless story, but. 
There you go. I, I love a teleporting story. Uh, yeah, so close up at Kings of Leon, it's about a vampire. It's a really good atmospheric opener. Crawl fucking rules, and then just stop listening to that album because I'm it only go back and take a listen to those two songs. It then. only gets <laughs> it only gets terrible from there. Uh, can we have your number three, please? Yes, you can. Okay, so this is the most recent of the tracks that I've picked. Uh, it's from 2008. The heyday of MySpace and my family home having the music channels. Velocifero. I was really nervous about saying that wrong, but I think I said it right. Uh, so they're an electro indie band who I always thought were Scottish, but they actually formed in Liverpool in the late 90s. I had the exact same thing. I thought they were Scottish as well. Yeah, and then I found Helen Marnie, yeah. their vocalist, she's Scottish. Okay. So I kind of just assumed, yeah. assumed they were Scottish, so that was a bit of learning I did this week. Um, but from my perspective, in 2008, uh, they may, has, may as well have just landed from another planet because I had no awareness of them until MTV2 landed uh, as if from another planet into my parents' Beamed TV. into your oh, house, yeah. Game changing. Via satellite, no less. Life changing <laughs> events. Uh, so yeah, we would spend, I, I live just close enough to town that after a night out or when there was nothing better to be doing, everyone would pile into my living room and we would watch the music channels just flicking between like Scuzz and MTV2. And no Kerrang? Kerrang. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> so, like, listen, oh, I, I, got, I got really fucking nervous there for a second. Yeah, I, I couldn't hold to back. Kick me out there. Yeah. I was like, end the podcast. Could VH1 as well? VH1's cool. Yeah. Um, sometimes Magic for a few ballads. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have um, to have them in there. Total Eclipse of the Heart like, on, on exactly. non-stop repeating yeah, that channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this would be on in the kind of wee hours when my mum would be like, ah, Julie, you're not going to go to bed. And I'd just kind of be like, oh, one more song, one more song. And this was the kind of song that they would play on MTV2 at like one in the morning or yeah, something yeah. when I definitely should have been in bed because I had exams the next day or something like that. And I just remember thinking like, who are these cool people? Who are these gorgeous aliens? And how can I get to know them? <laughs> um, and I had the same response to um, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's... Gold Lion, that's another video I remember watching in like the wee hours and I'd be really happy when it came on again on the loop. Um, the video is them like driving around a desert looking really hot and occasionally looking moody holding bunny rabbits. It's just everything that I wanted to be. Um, but it's just like the song is beautiful. It's like just undeniable. It's like so menacing and industrial. It's got very ghosty lyrics in the chorus but it's actually really unclear what the song is I think it's I think it was just like we have a chorus mm -hmm. we have a verse I'm not sure if the two relate to each other but I think in terms of the amount of time she says ghost and the fact that it's so menacing I think it definitely it fits the bill oh yeah yeah there is um, there's an otherworldliness to it and I saw them on this tour <gasps> in the Olympia Theatre in Dublin 
because uh, that was a week I was in college and I remember my brother like basically was like we should go see Ladytron and I was like who the fuck are Ladytron and we went and it was great and you know they, I fell in love with them you know destroy everything you touch all that kind of stuff uh, and if I recall correctly that was a week where on, I think on I think on a Tuesday I saw the National on the Thursday I saw Battles and on Friday. Ah. On Friday, I saw Lady Tron. Absolute jammer week. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, battle supported by the Redneck Manifesto as well, no less. Very good. Um, and yeah, Lady Tron were great. It was a really great way to close out that kind of week. And they, yeah, again, I had the same thing. I was just like entranced by it. I was like, these are the coolest people I've ever seen. Like, they are. They're on stuff. They're still so cool. They an album well. this year, I think, possibly? They've announced an album okay. this year. I think they've put a single out. <coughs> um, but they, like, they've they've had a few hiatus. This they have, hi- yeah. yeah. They've disappeared. Like, just, like, um, a few times. But they had a single like blow up on TikTok really? in 2001 called, was it, I think I wrote it down, uh, 17. It's gorgeous. 17 is so a great song, still, yeah. They're still like, as kind of sickly sweet and dark and menacing uh, I can't wait to see what they do next. Like I'm really, really look forward to new album. That's yeah. That's, it's such a wild pull here because it's taking me straight back to like, I've got like a 2008 playlist somewhere, and like because 2008, like, I remember that year specifically for me because that was like, that's when I really started to get pretentious about music, <laughs> like full on. I was I just think, like, I think same. <laughs> yeah, but like I really just started to kind of like get in there, and I was just like, it was like it was just a really exciting time. Like I was always on like the hype machine that website, and like. Just everything, I was just devouring everything in a way that I don't do as much anymore. And I kind of have missed, you know, kind of like having that spark sometimes. Mm. But this was like, yeah. And I, and again, I just like, I took a punt on them at like my brother's urging. And I was like, yeah, this rules. They are awesome. I would have, I don't think they were. I would love to have seen, I say this, you know, a classic no encoreism here, but like, would have loved to have seen them pop up in Twin Peaks season three. And they definitely would have fit yeah, in. Yeah, fits the bill. They totally, because they have that kind of just darkness to them. Um, while being, you know, a synth pop band, but um, yeah, serious longevity as well. So I'm glad to hear they're blowing up on TikTok. That's fucking weird. Yeah, down with that, kids. That, they uh, apparently have not joined TikTok, and they were like completely baffled by what happened. How does this happen? Like, like who was was it in a show? Like, I mean, like, does that is that how these things? I think I'm not that a the lyrics too fucking were old. particularly TikTokable. Okay. Like everybody loves you when you're 17. When you're is it when you're 23? Then. No one cares or something like that. So it's very, if it's it's got that kind of TikTok sass. Okay. That I think in the hook, that I think works. Listen to me talk about TikTok, sure. like a like a TikTok user. Uh, you're probably more okay with than I would be. Anyway, we could talk about TikTok all day, but we won't. Uh, number three for me, uh, I mentioned Kerrang, and this was a Kerrang staple, and yeah, this was always on, and I quite enjoy it. Did you ever watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as a child? Yeah. Do you remember Rita Repulsa? Yeah. You've nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Uncanny. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to read now from Metal Hammer magazine or, 
right? <laughs> Quote, it is a beautifully sunny day in the summer of 2000 and cradle of filth are tripping balls in a field in East Sussex. The band have temporarily re- relocated from their native Suffolk, where Ed Sheeran's from, uh, to the town of Battle and are currently standing in the exact spot where 934 years prior, William the Conqueror and King Harold II waged the Battle of Hastings. As they bake in the sweltering heat, they see long-dead soldiers trooping past them. Quote, We had taken some magic mushrooms, Cradle of Filth singer Danny Filth recalls today. We saw ghosts and all manner of things, and that inspired this song, Her Ghost in the Fog, which was constantly on Kerrang! TV around this time in 2000 and I want to say one, certainly two or three. Uh, I should have this written down in front of me. It's been a long week. Um, Cradle of Filth are a weird one because like it's all this and they've been around for quite some time before. This is like their breakthrough hit. It also opens up with a voiceover uh, from Doug Bradley who played Pinhead and Hellraiser who did a voiceover on I think every one of their albums for many, many years. He would just pop in and he's got that really demonic voice and it's incredible. Um, I don't, like, one of my friends is much more into Cradle of Filth than I am. It's, it's not that I'm not into them. I did get a couple of albums. I did, you know, try and tune into it. And I did kind of get there successfully on occasion. But this and a song called Nymphetamine are the, like, they're the two songs that exist for me in the Cradle of Filth. I had that on a Kerrang! compilation, a free CD. <laughs> that sounds right. It was also used at the end of uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse uh, on the end, which I, I rewatched that recently and like got to the end credits and like that was there and so it was like Kill Switch Engage. And I was like, I forgot, I didn't even realize these were here. What a treat. Cradle of Filth, they're a much maligned band because people like who are into black metal are like, they're not real black metal, they're posers. And Danny Filth has got the most annoying voice in the world. But... Again, <laughs> it can work for me. And her ghost in the fog, this song, I think is uh, what was it? I described it to you as earlier. I think I, I said bar- baroque nonsense from, <laughs> from from Cradle of Filth right there. But it's it's sustained for me, and I quite like it. And I was like, again, I took this literary this week, so I was like, well, I gotta have a song with ghost in there. And I was gonna go with Band of Horses. Is there a ghost? Oh, beautiful! Which is a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, no, no, let's go full um, gross. Let's go full gross, and uh, let's get Danny Filth involved. You really can see it, though, can't you? Like you can see the animatronic robots made out of Mala and stuff. Like, Have you seen what Cradle of Filth look like? Uh, all I, I'm not going to lie to you. In terms of Cradle of Filth, I'm a complete Philistine. A so, Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, <Not> everybody. <laughs> you Philistine, me Philistine. Sure. But like, the, the only... <laughs> what are you, cavemen? In, <laughs> in popular culture, the only thing I know about Cradle of Filth is the bit from the IT crowd where Noel Fielding's like, you should listen to Cradle of Filth. It's yeah. quite beautiful, actually. <laughs> he, he looks like he could be in them. Like, 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 like he like it's, it's all it's all fright makeup and you know suits that look like you know rejected vampires from Game of Thrones or something. Uh, it's all very silly. And Famous br- for its vampires. Which Game of Thrones? <laughs> I, I mean, like it had everything, didn't it? I mean, like it's <laughs> it might as well. But like, yeah, like there were they 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 were a very silly band. But I I, I enjoy the silliness. I enjoyed yeah. that. I'd take them for a jog. Sure. The world needs stuff like that. Seriously, Her Ghost in the Fog and Nymphetamine are two fucking incredible bangers. Like, they're great. So there you go. Nymphetamine is a great name for a song. Great song. Yeah. And it's all that kind of, you know, operatic bullshit. But um, but again, I, I went through a brief a brief phase, but I couldn't quite stay in the pocket. I just couldn't do it. It was too much over the course of an album. And they've, it's a very dark pocket. They have so many albums. Like, it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And they got like, you know, it's like, you know, they, like their titles are like, you know, bittersweets to suck you by, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's all like, you know, as in the succubus, but you know, it's the wordplay of Cradle. Are you Google imaging? No, I'm not Google imaging. Cradle of Filth. I'm Googling how many studio albums they have. 
That's a good question. I'm going to guess like 13. They've been around for ages, like genuinely. Studio. Oh, this is great podcasting. Cradle Field discography is what you want to go. Um, is what you want to go for. So okay, let's see. Okay, I have it here in front of me. Yeah. Um, what's your guess? Uh, thirteen. Julie. Seventeen. Thirteen studio albums. Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> two live albums, two compilation albums, three video albums. Twenty. We're gonna end on seventeen there. For yeah. Twenty-eight music videos, four EPs. 19 singles. Can you give us, like, can you go through the, the titles of the album? Not all of them, but like, give me one that stands out to you because it is, it, like, they're kind of like the fallout boy of uh, British black metal <laughs> for some reason. So, <laughs> Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder. Yeah, that's them. Pornography. Pornography. <laughs> that's, that's very fucking funny, that one is. Yeah. Um, Crypt, Cryptoriana, The Seductiveness of Decay. Yeah, this is Stunning. this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, so it's... glad it was 13. We were just talking about the number 13. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I said to Julie, I'm not terribly superstitious, but I don't like the number 13. Like it actually does freak me out. So there and, you go. Uh, well, there you go. For some, it's a lucky number because it's my All house right. number back in Galway. Uh, can we have your lucky number two, please, yes, you on can. this one? Um, uh, so Dave, picture this. Hey. It's not 90, 1995 anymore <laughs> okay. because it's 1996. Right. <laughs> That's and time for impressionable works. young girls like me, it's all about smash hits, Spice Girls, roll-on glitter, and impulse body spray. Uplifted. Um, that was Female of the Species by Space. Space, my God! <laughs> no encore debut for sure. They've never been mentioned on the show 100%, before. 100%, I don't, I a band, would attest that I Like there. a band that can only exist in the 90s. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are a Britpop band for, from Liverpool who usually sound kind of nothing like that. Uh, they were a very eclectic, very tongue in cheek, like super camp band that embraced lots of different genres. So they did embrace this kind of lounge music side of things occasionally. They also had like elements of ska and electronica. Um, their Wikipedia page describes them as having dark humoured lyrics inspired by films which frequently deal with topics such as serial killers, failed relationships, social outcasts and me mental illness. Positive bunch. They were the spectre of their day. A fun bunch Remember of Remember spectre everybody? No you don't. It didn't happen. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> They two really good songs though, Chevy, Chevy Thunder, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, all the sad young men. But I digress. Julie, please. Notes. No, don't worry. 2013's, 2013's Spectre, everybody. I have to say, I I wish I was a big fan of this band. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I tried. I even this this week, I was like, I'll make a last effort to try and get into this band. I can't get into their wider catalogue at all. But holy shit, this song is just like unstoppable. So. Uh, for anyone who watched the telly in 1996, um, I first heard it in the famous Impulse body spray ad, um, which probably wouldn't be made now. It's basically, I don't, do either of you remember 
I do remember this. Ad. Yeah. And this was 1996? Yeah. I was three, you absolutely three. not. Okay. Yeah. I was not three. <laughs> I was significantly older. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I remember this. We'll watch it back later. Um, so in its own 90s way, it was pretty progressive, but um, probably wouldn't be made today. So it follows this cute, pigtailed young woman who drops her shopping on the ground. Oh no, my vegetables. And uh, a very handsome tight white t-shirted beautiful young man bends down to help her and they like they lock eyes and then they slowly start to put all the vegetables back in the bag and it's very seductive and suggestive um but then when they stand up again oh no he puts his arm around another beautiful tight white t-shirted man and it turns out they were gay all along yeah so and like doy she should have known she kind of is like haha silly me um but he was taken in by her for a moment because she's wearing this irresistible body spray. and That's how it works. Impulse body spray can make you question your sexual well, orientation. He, and I quote... The 90s, everybody. That was the byline, because, I believe. <laughs> because men can't help acting on impulse. Hey. So, uh, again, slightly <laughs> outdated, very very binary way of looking at the world. I wear women's deodorant. Like, like, what does that say about me? It's great. Smells better. It does. Yeah. This is the thing. And I appreciate that that sentence out of context makes me sound like a fucking serial killer but I no, just no, smells better it's it's nicer deodorant than yep. men's deodorant way nicer I've always thought I, it uh, conversely I wear men's deodorant do you yeah there you go what's, what's the drawing yang uh, I just find the, the the women's stuff a bit too like floral and gets up my nose maybe that's what I want to be yeah. <laughs> maybe that's me and Adam are you know that's the kind of guys we are you know I think uh, I'd be happy enough binary, to admit guys. to that yeah. I tell you what would yeah. the impulse creative team do with us this trio Actually, you know? speaking of, I, I mentioned Spice Girls in the run-up, the best impulse scent that has ever been made. And if anyone has a can of this at home, was the Spice Girls Impulse Body Spray. My God. Like, I can taste it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's off like, the market, is it? Of, like, yeah, yeah. You, I, I saw a can of it. After I all those children Girls. went blind. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> the Spice Girls exhibition in London. They did um, a big merch exhibition. And there was a can, like, right there, just beyond the velvet rope. I was like, I could just take it. No one would know. But I left it there. Uh, so I haven't smelled that smell in a very long time. But if, if it was ever to be remade. Impulse are still going. Yeah. So it could happen. Um, the song, so that was the first time I heard it. The, the, the storyline of the ad, I think, went completely over my head. But I remember thinking... Like this is the the witchiest, most in, like exciting song I've ever heard. It was also on one of my favorite soundtracks at the time for Austin Powers, which is a very influential soundtrack. Oh yeah, uh, the original one or Spy Who Shagged Me or which one? I'm not. It was on one of them. Yeah. I and I had all of all the CDs. It might even have been the uh, inspired by soundtrack, <laughs> um, which makes a lot of sense. You can you can like hear it all in there. It's um, it, it was the uh, cr- the theme tune for Cold Feet as well. Oh, I refuse to watch anything with James Nesbitt. I saw James Nesbitt in a chipper a couple of and weeks ago. Just never liked him. Nothing personal. We didn't speak, so I didn't tell him. <laughs> I didn't like him. <laughs> One of my friends has an irrational hatred of you. Um, this so space they did a song with Catatonia. Yeah, again, I love Catatonia, but I don't. Do you know like the song? song? No, yeah, the I know of, it, but I'm not. The a Ballad of Tom Jones. It's grand, and it also has like it's it's. I wouldn't say it's supernatural, but it does have lines like you know, it's, you're worse than Hannibal Lecter, Charlie Manson, Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, spaced, space rather, not spaced. Uh, spaced was another nineties thing, or was it turn of the century? Nonetheless, um, space like that, like you, that Adam was like, <laughs> I went like fuck yeah, like like when that played because I was just like transported back to mm. that exact time. And yeah, like again, this was the power as well of the TV ad and the song that gets in there. Yeah, clearly would have been a big sync. Uh, I don't know what the contract said, but like a big fucking deal yeah. to get into an ad. Questionable or otherwise. There's a nice story behind the song as well. He apparently, um, what's the name of the singer? Tommy Scott. Um, He wrote this as an homage to his late father because apparently his father was not a fan of his music taste at all. Just didn't approve. Uh, So he wanted to make something that kind of captured the the music that his father loved. So it's like all this kind of Bacharach and Scott Walker and well Walker Brothers esque stuff, which is what I love about this piece of music. Yeah, it does. It, it it when you said Bacharach there, it's just like yeah, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, which is and head. it belongs on the Austin Powers yeah, oh, 100%, soundtrack. Yeah. Like, um, right, I will move speedily to my number two, which again going literal here, and this is like this is a word that crops up everywhere. And there's so many songs with this word in it, but like I think that I think this song is fucking beautiful, really underrated. And again, like Kings of Leon is kind of maybe like a really Dave? Okay. Let's go. sound gorgeous doesn't it that is magic by coldplay from 2014's ghost stories it's the lead single um they also like a sky full of stars is on this album i'm just saying now which kind of like i find surprising because like i think coldplay do muted quite well muted melancholy mm-hmm. as well as you know the, all the technical or bullshit mm-hmm. uh around i remember when i when i worked for joe one of the first articles i wrote which was a total troll piece Based on a tweet I put out, my editor was like, you should turn that into an article. And I was like, really? And it was me going, like, Coldplay have 11 good songs. Like, it's scientifically proven that they only have 11 good songs. And I would include Magic in there. Uh, they got a song called Midnight as well, uh, which I think is on that record. Let me just look this up right now. I feel like it is, yeah. I it think is, it, yeah. yeah. Written, with, written with John Hopkins and so clearly trying to be a John Hopkins song. Like, but it's really, really nice. <laughs> um, I think Magic is gorgeous. It's 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 about uh, the breakup with Gwyneth Paltrow. I think that's that, what that album was about generally, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. A lot of that kind of stuff. Which, again, I like. if you told me that I would actually be taken in by a song about the infamous conscious uncoupling, I, I, I would tell you, I'm over here listening to Cradle of Filth, mate. But I think this song is fucking beautiful. Uh, I think there's just something really, really lovely about it. And again, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, again, there's not much magic in terms of the lyrics. It's actually been a very real life thing. But out of all the songs that have the word magic in them, of which there are so fucking many, I'm like, this is top of the top of the mountain for me. Coldplay are a weird one. Um, I've still never seen them live. And I keep hearing that that's where it's at. Like, Anyone I know who's gone to see them has been like, I've never seen a show like it. I'm like, I, at this stage, I'd kind of believe it. Yeah, the, minor, the minor, Milo Xylotow 
album, the live album. I like that album. Is the live album's fucking incredible? <laughs> and they had like um, there's like they put out a DVD or something. But I remember one of my pals in school. I think he was possibly in my band, had it. Or someone had it anyway, I got a land of it and I watched it and I was like, this is fucking great. And like, I wasn't really ever taken by Coldplay, like quite like some of the stuff off the first record, but that was like, hold on a minute now, what? why have I missed till now? I was big into the first two records when they came out, Um, kind of drifted a bit from there and obviously like they just became, like they're super uncool. Um, They know it though, don't they? Yeah, but it kind of works and like, yeah. you know, they very much want to be the new U2 and like, you know, yeah, around the mile is a lot of stuff that's when they, they, they started getting, that's when they started spray painting their jackets with like, you know, with spray paint and, mm-hmm. you know, inhaling the fumes. And, all the confetti at shows and all that kind of stuff. And like started the light up wristbands and yeah, stuff that, yeah, yeah. like the shows are huge. I mean, like it's actually annoying because at the moment like they're doing this tour where they're not, like they're trying to keep their carbon footprint down or something so Ireland isn't on the list and I'm like, oh, I do actually want to go see them. They uh, just missed their quota, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, ju- just missed it. So I respect f- the effort. So I they failed. For fuck's sake. In for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, you know? We may need to fact check that, but I think that's what I read. I, do, I did see a headline this week. I think you're correct. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I, I, I think about it and I'm like, I think the world's I think the world's better with Chris Martin in it. You know, his, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. His definitely. ludicrous earnestness. I remember he was on like the Howard Stern show once and he's there and it must have been, you know, around the time of his divorce or something. And he's there in like a close-up shot. He's like, and you know, he's away from Howard Stern, but like Howard Stern's grilling him and he's kind of like asking him questions he really doesn't want to answer. And then like he's, he gets a bit pissed off and like, as they cut to a wide shot, he's got his arm out being like, can we just focus on the music? At which point you realise he's sitting at like that piano that he's just covered in fucking spray paint and it just looks so comical. Um, <laughs> their recent albums have been terrible, but there's enough in there that I would love to actually go see them live. And I do, I, I think this is a really underrated song. I think it's a really beautiful, beautiful song. And like it's arranged gorgeously. His vocal is great. Um, I'm not going to say it's a, should I have picked It's a Kind of Magic? That is a good song. Oh, now that you say that. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I don't like. I, I don't like every, every little thing she does is magic. I regretted because when we first texted about this topic, you were like, text me the name of a song that you won't, as an example, yeah. but that you're not going to pick. And I texted you that. And then a few days later, I was like, I panicked. I was like, is it's a really good song. What have I done? <laughs> like, I don't know. Something about and I blacklisted it. <laughs> something about the police. I don't know. Um, Sting. I, I think Sting it's is Sting. Sting is, is the problem. Sting. Yeah. It's always Sting. <laughs> Take Sting out of the equation. Absolute best band in the world. Take Sting out of the Leo. equation. No need. No need to to assassinate the man. Have you seen the um, Coldplay documentary Head Full of Dreams? No, because that came with the album, like a really bad album. It's good. The album with him for the weekend on it. That's, look, that's look. Let's not go there. But <laughs> don't mention. Oh, and the actually, war. that reminds me because like the the lead single was um, "Adventure of a Lifetime," and the, the I old, like it. And it's no, oh, no, that's bad. Like, and the opening lyric is, you know, "Turn your turn magic, magic on, on. <laughs> for me." She said, "It's yeah. just like, nah. look, I don't know. I mean, like, I think they're a very hated band, but like, I think they're fine. Unnecessary, I think. Yeah, I I Overhated. agree with your statement that the. The world is definitely not a worse place with Chris Martin in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I loved their early stuff. I mean, it just, Coldplay happened to me, happened to me, happened for me. They kind of do that. At the, <laughs> at the right time, because I was obsessed with the piano. Um, sure. I played the piano and I I never kind of delved into playing like pop music before. So that was my the first time I was starting to just like listen and play covers. So Coldplay and... Vanessa Carlton, oh, yeah. uh, Muse, just like 
thrashing it out on the piano and yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just like and like uh, In My Place was one of the first songs I learned to play drums on as well because it's a fairly straightforward drum beat great live it, uh, again in really? that in that uh, live whatever it was the live album live tour video uh, DVD thing that I watched they play that on it and it's fucking incredible yeah. and of course it's on a whole different life yeah and of course without Coldplay we wouldn't have that hilarious uh, extended montage in the newsroom with Fix You playing <laughs> over melodramatic piece of television well, a doctor pronounces her dead not the news you ever watch the newsroom Oh my god! That was my first. That was my introduction Guys, to the newsroom. I swear to God, I'd watch. I'd, I'd watch all three seasons right now. Did you yeah. say it's just like them mainlining Sorkin it's for un- hours? It's if Aaron Sorkin had uh, somehow like transformed himself into a drug that you snort. <laughs> that's the newsroom. Anyway, can where, I have your? Where can I? Excuse me. Watch. I, this. I don't <laughs> think it's on any platform. It was a HBO show, so yeah, you'll have to probably like illegal it or you know buy it on fucking VHS or something. DVD, but um, yeah. it's. It's, it's a horrific show, but it's I, it's one of the most in, unbelievably compelling, terrible, like genius, awful. <laughs> I'm just I'm like tearing myself apart even thinking about it. Three seasons though, and yeah, I'm telling you, like it, it was a mind-boggling program. Please watch it. Thank you for this nugget. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Uh, so yeah, somehow we, we veer from Coldplay to the newsroom. And can we veer to your number one, please? We can. I have a, a magical nugget for you. Um, my last one is a heavy hitter. Um, it's a song by perhaps the Lord Supreme of summoning all things ghostly and supernatural and dreamlike through song. It had to be, didn't it? (laughs) It really did. And this wasn't on my list. So I mentioned a little bout of insomnia to you guys off mic, maybe even during the the pod. So I've obviously had this top five on my mind, kind of here and there over the last few days. I was like, I'll sit down to it properly at some point. But this, I did have a short list about last week and she wasn't on it. And I woke up at four in the morning and much like Kathy... (laughs) appears to Heathcliff. <laughs> Kate Bush appeared to me at four in the morning and was like, Wuthering Heights, what about Wuthering Heights? So, and then I was up for about three hours because I couldn't get back to sleep. Um, but what can I say about this this song? Like it just, I feel so many feelings every time I hear it. It's absolutely stunning. That was Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush, uh, taken from her 1978 debut album, The Kick Inside, which she wrote when she was 18. It was released when she was 19, but she wrote that at 18, which is just... Shouldn't be allowed. What have I done with my life? (laughs) Um, So the story, uh, in case you're not not familiar, um, it takes place from the perspective of a ghost. This is Kathy, who's haunting the Moors, uh, desperate for her lover Heathcliff um, to let her in from the cold, the cold. Um, She was inspired to write it after watching the BBC adaptation of Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, it's basically lifted from that that book. And she also apparently found out that she had the same birthday as Emily Bronte, which is a nice little, another nugget that I learned this this week. Um, but it's just, I get 
the most kind of physical reaction to this song when I hear it. It's just beautiful. And it's if anyone has painted a kind of musical picture of the supernatural, it's it's in this song. It's from like the twinkly pianos to kind of all the ways that she uses her voice. She's almost like kind of gnarly and ghoulish sounding at the start. And she's like, Arr. and then she gets into these kind of soaring banshee notes in the um in the chorus you can hear the more as you can kind of feel the mist it's just it's ridiculous can i make a terrible confession you don't like the song for the longest time i hated the song i i was with chocolate cheese with kate bush yeah until i wasn't i had like a proper allergic reaction to this as a kid i just couldn't i couldn't handle it mm. um you know even as a kid I was an asshole male critic. I was like, it, it's shrill, you know. <laughs> but like, no, it's not just you. I I found it her a bit scary. I was also I was scared. I think I, I think there was something in it that I actually was just like I, I couldn't vibe with it. I I of course in my adult life have recognised it for the genius that it is and the unquestionable genius that she is. But I was yeah, like I I think I was afraid of Kate Bush when I was younger, <laughs> like genuinely because yeah, like she was kind of spectral, right? And like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. This song and video and all kinds of went a long way to kind of backing that up. And I just, yeah, I just, if it was on the TV, I'd probably like run out of the fucking room or something. Yeah. And then but, I did have a thing where I was like, oh, I just don't like the sound of it. It's really annoying. And, you know, depending on the mood. But yeah, but I really was, I was a staunch rebel against this, mm. against this piece of music for a very long time. Well, I think she's always going to challenge you um, because there's just nothing nonchalant about her. She's just utterly committed. Um, like, just this song is just like, She's painting herself in this picture of like pure kind of obsession and despair and like restlessness. And it's very theatrical and it's almost like, come and join. Like I could see this kind of ick factor coming in of like, it's too much. But now that I have entered, I like I cannot leave and I'll never leave. Yeah. I also have the problem as well that like when I was in school, like I got on really well with my English teacher. And I remember when we were going into like fifth year, he was like, oh, he was like, let me tell you, forget, forget Romeo and Juliet, forget To Kill a Mockingbird, forget anything we've studied so far. He's like, we come back, we're going to be doing my favorite novel of all time. I've read it more than 80 times, Wuthering Heights. And I was like, unreal. This is going (laughs) to rule. And I fucking hate Wuthering Heights. Now, granted, haven't read it since I was a teenager. I probably should go back to it. But I read, again, I was like, I hate this. I hate these characters. I hate all of it. I hate it. And I wonder I mean, if I was influenced by the song. It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to love things that you studied in, in school. Yeah, like to there's, detract I, yourself or detach yourself from yeah, it. Like there's it. an Arthur Miller play showing in, in Russia at the moment and it's not Death of a Salesman, but I studied Death of a Salesman in school and when I even see his name on the sign, I'm like, <laughs> like you couldn't pay me. So yeah, there is that kind of triggering trauma I think it's pretty valid if I learned to love the song perhaps I could learn to love the book but uh, yeah we'll, we'll have to maybe, see maybe you can go back to it one of the days and then there's the dance routine yeah of course the iconic dance routine which she choreographed herself as well I mean this woman um, like a really, really important artist right just yeah. like so important yeah amazing right there's, there's a whole day I wanted to say dedicated to the dance. Yeah, have you done it? Like, like people, I've not done it. I mean, people, I've actually done the dance. Yeah, because people, people gather to do <laughs> yeah. this in Dublin and various places around the world, of course, as well, yeah, I'm sure. A very, the most, the most Wuthering Heights day ever. Uh, I think there's one on in Dublin. I saw it in Berlin a few years ago and it was amazing. It's worth going down to watch or take part. So people just dress. dance all day? Yeah. 
the entire I mean, day. I think they repeat the dance a few times <laughs> and then there's other things you can do. Wow. This is this that is was, that was what they did in in the one that I went to anyway. Okay, okay, I, I'll I'll definitely try and you know as I gravitate towards my acceptance and love for Kate Bush further. Maybe this is just what you need. Could be. I can't see me doing it, but I could certainly uh, observe. You know, if I can make a constellation, you want to do it? No, un- <laughs> you'll do it. We'll for do me. it together <laughs> um, privately. No on Cordeo. <laughs> no. Um, with the allergic reaction thing and not being able to like enjoy something that like is kind of vastly loved by lots of people I hate what are you insinuating I hate love cats by the cure I fucking can't deal with it you're no crack (laughs) terrifies me to this day I'm like no no weird weird what still I I can't I can't do it like I just there's something about it okay it's like there's a repellent I think there's an 80s thing going on here like a big haired 80s thing because like there was a band called The Mission I think and there was like a photo, like there was like a sticker of this band in like the wardrobe in my bedroom that my brother put there, and I I remember running away in fright and like crying like at, at this. So yeah, I don't know a different power, a raw power, a supernatural power of the music industry that no longer exists. Um, and we'll flash back even further from my number one. It's nineteen sixty three, everybody. Uh, this was uh one that I I was gonna go for a different one, and then I was like, no, I'll go for this one that kind of ripped it off. So here's my number one. It's the king. It's Elvis Presley, and it's a uh, open brackets. You're the close brackets. Devil in disguise from 1963, a song that John Lennon didn't like. So that's good enough for me. Let me tell you. Uh, apparently, like it was debuted to a British audience in June of 1963 on the BBC television show Jukebox Jury, and celebrity guest John Lennon said it was a miss, and said that Elvis sounds like Bing Crosby now. So you know. Maybe he did. Maybe there was truth in that criticism. But fuck John Lennon. That's what I say. The song rules. I was gonna. I was considering picking Love Potion Number no. Nine by The Searchers, uh, which came out I think almost a decade or not almost a decade, but like several years prior. And it's a great song as well. And I was like, I when I kind of put these two together, and also both those songs, like Love Potion Number no. Nine, is like about two minutes long. This is about two minutes and fifteen seconds long. It's just you know, wonderfully brevity, irrecentric thing. Um. I don't know if this is a full rip of that song. Very similar melodies. Very similar kind of just like lilting, mm. swaying grace and beauty. And just like, I don't know. Like, I, I love that kind of thing of, you know, well, obviously, like, you know, the devil is very supernatural. That qualifies. But I love the lightness of touch. And I love the kind of, you know, like the let's have some fun with it, guys. Mm, it's uh, all swept off its feet. Totally, yeah. And I do think Adam said it himself there, but like, I, I think I'm gaining more of an appreciation for Elvis since the Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just like amazing. People hate that fucking movie. I loved it. I it's it on great. my it's on my list still. It's great. It it's really good. Yeah, I really yeah. want to see you, it. Really good. You'll, you'll have you, our you guys reaction. have obviously influenced that. You'll have our reaction. I mean, I like. I mean, it's pe- an experience and a half, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I'm afraid to ever go back to it, though. Yeah, I think it's, it. It feels like a one and done. Yeah, for me, maybe it, there's only so much of a 
like barrage of Baz Luhrmann I can take. It is know? a barrage as well, yeah. yeah. And like, but you know, just like this kind of music, just like in that kind of big screen setting, I was very swept away by it. Yeah. And of course, my 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 dad was a huge Elvis fan, so I would have you know heard a lot of Elvis in the house growing up. And I didn't really, you know, your classic teenage rebellion of I'll listen to what I'll listen to. Cradle of Filth, baby. Um, <laughs> but no. of Leon. But I, like, like you know, obviously, like you know, it's written by a team of songwriters, and like you know, it's that kind of you know, manufactured quote unquote radio stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, I just, I love the sound of it. You know, it just sounds so fucking like like a very very different kind of music that we get now. And that's not me being old man sheds the cloud. I love so much of the new music today. I love more of the new music than the old. I, like, I've got a weird, like, I'm not very good with older music. I don't have a wide sweeping range of knowledge or love for it, but, and I listen to stuff like this and I wonder why. I wonder, like, why I don't actually spend more time there. I'm too impatient, damn it. Mm. That's my... There's a lot, though, isn't there? My like, supernatural problem. Yeah. There's too much music in general. Yeah, I mean, the, like, like the, if you are to go back, and, and to be fair, what you're saying about the like for likeness between mm-hmm. Love Potion number nine and this, it's like there was a lot of that going on back then because it was everyone was kind of hanging around together and writing together and they were mm. in similar circles. But a lot of that music was also passed up. Yeah, it was more tra- of a tra- tradition. Then. It's like it what you were accepted. talking about, about the Sinead O'Connor thing as well, where it was like people were, it there were like generational songs that mm-hmm. were taken and mm-hmm. then they were recorded and that was the first time that they were heard en masse and they spread then like wildfire. So there was an element of that then as well. Yeah, like, white people. Yeah, yeah, it was essentially that. Like, but yeah, again, back in at that time, it was like there's a lot of the same songs by different people and different mm. people putting their spins on it. But again, it's just a, it's a, it's an endless well. Like it's a bottomless pit of stuff that you will go into, find a million and one things that you love, but it's just so daunting to get there in the first place. You know? Yeah. Speaking of daunting, we got through it. We did it. We did. How do you feel? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, no not nerves. scared at all. No, like you know, um, gorgeous pick, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, number one. It was a bit. It was a bit. Yeah, it was a bit kind of harem scarum. I was like, will I go for this? All right, fine. I will. I'm running out of time. Let's go for it. But, but I do actually <laughs> love the song. I, I I think it is genuinely great. My yeah. My 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 approach this week was very. Um, I think hit and hope because I was like, I know Julie's gonna fucking bring it, you know. So I'm gonna pale by comparison, and uh, you know, thank it's, you. It's what I usually do, you know. I was. I felt the same. <laughs> <laughs> I fade into the background. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. I uh, had a great time. It's been ball. beautiful. It's been beautiful. Um, I find myself week on week wondering, just pondering, if he does in fact possess supernatural powers, for he makes the show sound so <laughs> damn good. It's Sonic Architect Adam. Everybody. Do you have parodies like no. Yeah. <laughs> That, that came to life wholesale in the last like, three seconds I love it this is yeah this is brilliant thanks I, um, it's great to be here I, I don't want to let you guys go actually without saying a huge thank you uh, not just for having me tonight but I've referenced a lot this evening kind of coming back to Ireland and you know finding my feet and I started listening to the podcast you know in lockdown and as a source of connection with the kind of local community and friendly faces it was an absolute beacon and I've become a huge fan and I'm so delighted to have joined you but uh, just wanted to thank you from a fan as well. Thank you. That's a lovely thing to say and both of us will, you know, awkwardly shake off that comment because we're not good at taking comments. (laughs) Genuinely, thank you. And also, like, you know, to throw it back, I mean, like, I remember years ago we were on a panel together for, like, hardworking class heroes about, like, you know, music and mental health and that kind of stuff and I remember just being, like, really kind of find that very tough to do 
Um, and I remember you were there and I was just like, I felt better because there were other people who kind of, you know, had similar stuff and it was a very loving environment. Mm, and then I like, I, I like, I, I kind of like, I, and I was like, I didn't really know you. And I was just like, I don't think I, I think, you know, I'm not sure if I ever even like bumped into you again or something. And then eventually, you know, we got talking and like now, you know, here you are today. So this feels like a long time coming. Yeah, it does. So I'm glad that you like the show. <laughs> you know, like, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad it's something that you enjoy uh, and we enjoy doing it. And thank you genuinely for coming in this time. So uh, without further awkwardness, um, we will play out the episode with... We will play out the episode with the single, but first of all, tell yeah. us where we can find more about you, yes. more about Vita, more about Selfmade. Selfmade, uh, full disclosure, I was actually very fortunate enough to be asked to do a panel um, speaking of panels, I saw He's always it. talking this one. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, Dave was there, I saw the yeah. whole thing. Dave Adam, came. Adam said crazy shit. That I night. really did. Yeah. <laughs> I need to turn his mic off. <laughs> I think there were some people in the room who probably wanted me to shut up for a while. But Not at yeah. all. you were a fabulous guest. I had a great time. It was a really great experience. But yeah, let, tell us more about where we can find out all things Julie Hawk. All things Julie Hawk. Uh, I do a lot of stuff, so I'll try and get through it quickly. Um, I'm in Hawk, which is spelled H A V V K just to confuse you guys. Um, I'm in Pixie Cut Rhythm Orchestra. I'll be playing with Pixie Cut Rhythm Orchestra. I think it's on the... Bear with me. Uh, the 21st of June in the cellar with Bedrooms. So we're doing a double header. Um, I think myself and Hawk are keeping it low profile for a little while while we work on some new material. But I'm also... Uh, in an upper voice vocal ensemble called Dulciana and you can come and hear us uh, in Sanford Parish Church on the 26th of June. Uh, we're doing an entire set which is arranged by members of the choir or written by members of the choir. So we're singing pieces by Jesse Ware, uh, Fleet Foxes, Low, Rory Gallagher, uh, lots of the hits. Bit of Beatles thrown in there as well. So that that's also happening if you like a bit of singing. Come and check us out. Who doesn't like a bit of singing? Um, yes. Okay. So yeah, I apologize. I was uh, it, Adam pulled me in there. You know, show I mean, coordinator. Listen, I do my, I do my best. <laughs> I do my best. You know. Okay. Um, this has been no encore. My, yeah, my name is Dave Hanrady. This has been no encore. There will be no encore. And to play us out, uh, Julie, if you could set up your single, which of course is called Daylight Robbery, we're gonna listen to it in full now. Enjoy.